computer. So welcome everybody. This is our little bit of a um, little bit of a. Uh, this is just to my computer. I'm going to edit this up a little bit. Maybe I don't know. And <laughs> now we're now we're going to go live. Where's live? Live on YouTube. So stand by real quick as we log into clearproptv.com. Clear. Dot org. Dot something. Cool photo. Who's that? Oh, that's Tommy. Oh, yeah, that's one of my mountain flights. Is that free flight? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's uh, out of Buffalo Mountain. We got we got a pretty nice launch site there, about four or five of them. Uh, if you ever get a chance, look up Panorama. That's one of the coolest sites I've ever been to. Man, I want to do free flight so bad. I was trying to I was trying to talk to Shane about that. I was like, dude, get a wing first. That way you at least still can go fly. This is but episode twenty six. Ooh, Shane's here. Hello, governors. Governor. <laughs> Good day, sir. Way to make Same an entrance, buddy. Not gonna find a virtual background to the like. How's it going, Shane? You're sideways from my view. Well, that's because I haven't figured out this. I, I'm using my wife's phone because I'm still dealing with the, uh, the iPhone going in the water thing. I'll you just turn my head sideways. No big deal, you man. I got you. Shane. We got you. Okay. Just relax. As soon as I pick a uh, a background, I will. Uh, I'm on my phone settings. Oh, it's really weird photos. All right, guys, are we ready? It's not going to fix your background. Hold on, I got it right here. And Shane, there we go. Shane's good. All right, guys, give me one quick second. We're going to be going super duper live. Ready? Super duper live. All right. Silence. It's always good to go super duper live. And welcome, everybody, to clearproptv.org.net. That's something. It's always good. Ah, it sounds like we are live. We are yeah. live. Oh, You're up. Goodness. we are live. I am uh, trying to go to the chat so I can see the chat, but I don't see the chat. I tried to do the phone thing, but I don't think it's going to I got it, and I was first. Woo -woo. All right. So who, so who can watch the chat? Oh, I'm sideways. Welcome. Am I sideways? You are sideways. All right. You're sideways, but I don't know if I need to be this way or that way. There we go. No, go. Turn, turn out one more time, Don. This way. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> oh, finally, it wouldn't go sideways. You were all sideways. All right, that is oh. awesome. Sorry, my thumb. And don't change it at all. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. My name is Sean Simons, PPG Grandpa, and you're listening to. Oh, come on, everybody knows what this Sorry. is. Oh, you're the announcer. <laughs> PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast. Woo! In the house. Well, well. 
Today we have an awesome topic. It's obsessed spouses with paramotors. <laughs> but first of all, let's welcome our panel, Linda Anderson. Welcome. We have hey. Bell Waller in the house. Woot, woot. Yeah. We have JP Tulo down there. Yeah. What's up? Never oh a skinny chef, Shane. Hello. And Tommy Mosley. What's up? Now, for everyone, everyone wants to know about this obsessed spouse. His name is Shane Bittner. Whoop, whoop, whoop. What's up, Shane? What's up right there? In the, right there, there he is. And then yeah. way down below, over <laughs> there, you'll see his wife, Dawn Bittner. Welcome to hey. the show, everyone. Yeah. This is, this is going right. to be really awesome. Um, I'm really glad that you guys made it here. Um, and welcome, everyone. Welcome to uh, the chat. If you're here, say something in the chat, wherever the chat is, and uh, let us know that you are here. Today's topic obsessed spouse with hair motor is that even possible does yes. anybody get into this sport and not obsess over it of course we do which is awesome that's why we're all here that's why we wear the t-shirts that say warning may talk about paramotors and we have a dawn that has told me this guy shane over here this guy shane right here all he does is Shane, there's paramotors, there's noise about paramotors, and reading books about paramotors. Is this true, yeah. Shane? Welcome to the show. This is very true. Um, definitely addicted to paramotors. Oh. Wow, I can see his face. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw my husband's face. <laughs> I'm kidding. I get, oh, yeah, yeah, because he's always... Right here in front of yeah, the, okay. yeah. We that was funnier the, than what it was. No, no, it, it was hilarious. It was, it was, it was beautiful. It was brilliant, darling, marvelous. So, uh, so oh. welcome to the show, everyone. Appreciate that you're here. Now, um, real quick, since we do have Dawn here, tell us a little bit about this obsessed <laughs> maniac that you call a spouse. What does he do? That's paramotoring, aka boyfriend. I mean, boyfriend, sorry, I don't have one. Girlfriend, that's, that's what I meant to say on the last show. Like, when you kept asking me, it's like, oh, you know what? That's totally a side chick, no joke. But that's okay, because he oh. has always wanted to be up in the air, and he's been obsessed with it. And I'll be honest, when he was talking about planes and all of that, it's like, you have the hangar, then you'll have insurance, and then, you know, all the hours you got up, and then he, start, he saw a paramotor. And then it's like this world ceased to exist. He wants to learn any and all things he can about it because that's just, it's his passion. So it's awesome. At but, least he doesn't have time for a side chick. For real, but she's, <laughs> I'm calling her she. Totally is she. <laughs> so this, she gets is way more she... attention than I do, but that's okay. <laughs> so, so the she that you're talking about is his paramotor paraphernalia. Wink. It's just the wing. It's not. He's not even in the air yet. Are you kidding? He's just. It's the wing so far. <laughs> so, so just in case you didn't catch what she said, uh, we already did a podcast um, 
and uh, the podcast was oh, about oops. the. Uh, I know you 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 blew it out there. I so know I blew I, it. So now it's everyone's okay, going to know. Right now, anyway. So um, no going back. So after this podcast is going to premiere at ten o'clock tonight. <laughs> <Are> you, <Don? laughs> the the podcast that Dawn, I, and Linda did was all about the obsessiveness of shame behind the scene. Who <laughs> me? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> That. It so this is, so it's going to be so it's a it's a pre-recorded uh, podcast. It's already um, uploaded and will go live, uh, premiering at ten o'clock tonight. So if you guys are interested, stay on this channel and check it out. Uh, I locked the door. I know I locked the door. Oh, somebody's in trouble. So, so apparently, Shane, um, you've been uh, you've been tagged as a very obsessed person that does his paramotor stuff and you just started matter of fact you haven't even done but what four days of kiting so tell us some a little bit about your history uh how long you've been thinking about this and when did you get started and how do you feel about kiting so far okay so let's see, this this started when i was a kid um i actually got to ride in a crop duster um, it's just a plane that flies over fields and sprays chemical on plants. And ever since then, I've been totally addicted to wanting to get in the air. So, my wife was saying, um, I told her that I was really wanting to get my private pilot license. And then I started looking at the expenses, and it's really expensive. So she just kind of said, you know, we can do it if you really want to. And somehow, paramotor video. And since then, it has been non every day 24 seconds Jane, what what video was it what video was it that caught your attention well honestly i've seen so many now but i want to say i think that it was don't even don't even Say it. He's got the shirt on. All right. Wait, wait we got to see the shirt. All right. I'll admit it. It was it was some Tucker guy, you know. Risky biscuit. Damn you, yeah. Tucker. <laughs> hey. Tucker and then me. it went to everyone else. I got you backed up. There you go. There you go. And then after Tucker, I'm I've probably watched 120 videos of Tucker. And then I was like, well, I've probably watched all the videos. And then all of a sudden, everybody else started popping up. I seen PPG Grandpa and mm. Anthony and Mark and Kylo. And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, and then on. I was like, I need to learn this stuff. So I watched an aviator ground handling video. And then the video was really informative. And then I got into Sky School, and they taught me a lot. 
I would recommend to anybody, if you want to start learning a little bit about it, then go watch some of Sky School's YouTube videos. They're, they're exactly what a newbie should be looking for. Yeah, this is the newbie's dream, though, having contact with everyone like you guys. I mean, that's the truth in it. Uh, it's been, he's been like, girl, he's going to kill me. But being <laughs> able to contact you guys and have someone that's, like, in the air. And, y'all, when I see him in the air, I'm probably going to ball. It's going to happen. But then I'm probably going to cry because I'm never going to see him anymore. But, but yeah, the truth of it is, is contact with you guys is what's really even pushed him even further. I think I deserve a ring or something. I'm pretty sure because he's married to a paramotoring now. So <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's <laughs> totally not that. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> anyway. Like, he would never do this stuff. He would never get online and talk in front of people. Like, it's really helped him. So, that's good. You're going to find him out in the garage caressing the prop one night. And get <laughs> 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 He's going to be putting his hands on the bolts and just touch him. Oh, like, yeah, no. baby, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think he checks on the the wings a lot, too, that's in the garage. So, yeah. Probably. You know, you got to make sure they're healthy and risky. <laughs> Women get ready. Women you, get ready. Have That's you named your wing yet? Have you named your motor? Have do you have a motor yet? Well, I can't say that out loud. My wife's on here now. <laughs> <laughs> it better have my name in it at least. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So as oh, as a very so newbie, I love my mom. Oh. As a very newbie, newbie, um, and you are really getting into this. Um, you've been looking around for a, uh, a a wing. You've been looking around for a motor, and uh, so what have you been looking around for? I, I hear that you have possibly uh, Mark Honeycutt has actually contacted you, and you got some other big names that are contacting you about uh, uh, motors. Tell us about that. Well, uh, yeah, let me listen. I um, actually joined a Facebook group. It was Paramotor Things for Sale. Um, they've got a lot of uh, just a lot of equipment on there that's pretty fairly priced. Um, so I posted a a sale ad looking for a a new beginning setup, and well. Nobody really said anything at first, and then all of a sudden, it was like I got spammed by 20 or 30 people, and I started going through, and some of the people that got a hold of me, they didn't really want to sell anything. They were just, I guess, trying to be a part of the group, and, you know, I met some really interesting people. I've talked to some really interesting people. Um, and tell Mark Honeycutt got a hold of you about the paramotor, honey. Get yeah, to the tell, point. Yeah, tell <laughs> about, yeah. tell Mark Honeycutt actually, um, I'm on here now. <laughs> Mark got a hold of me and he said, Hey, man, I've got this paramotor I'm wanting to sell, and I think it would fit you 
pretty good. So we've been chit-chatting back and forth, and, you know, it's more kind of cut, so I'm all like this again, you know. So. Oh, at least he's admitting it. <laughs> and, I mean, I really don't know. It's it's really. Probably going to go get it soon. That's what he, yeah, probably. It's a Blackhawk what? Uh, that's all I got, Blackhawk something. But we got to talk to Mr. Britton first. Well, that's uh, that's one of the ones I was looking at. Oh, see, his girlfriend I don't get to know about, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I so, like her on the podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, love I, I don't get to know about her. <laughs> He's even talking a little bit slower and probably watching his words. That's fine. I got the bank account and the debit cards. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's drinking from a mason jar, so everybody's it's done. It's my sweet tea now. I noticed that sweet tea, right? Mostly yeah. tea. I like. Gotta that. have my sweet tea. He's not been making it either. He used to make it for me every day. Uh oh. He's busy watching videos. I know. <laughs> well, as long as he stays in the air and doesn't get hurt, it'll be totally worth it. So. He's got to get information. I mean, I joke around so, about it, but the truth of it is, is I don't want anything to happen to him, and knowledge is power. So, Well, Shane, funny. Let, me, let me ask you real quick. What videos do you have? Do you have all that stuff in front of you right now with all the videos? And I do. Can, can you show us what you got? All righty. Yeah. So I'll start with airspace law which i've not had the time to watch any of these yet but i've got airspace law here then i've got how to clean your wing and then i've got advanced landing then i've got in-flight precision Advanced launching, <laughs> advanced ground handle. Man, this guy yeah, isn't joking, it. is he? No, he's not done yet. He's not even close. What That's just the... the stuff on the table. Risk and reward. Uh, oh, oh, William no, Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner is risk and reward. That's a good one. I watched that one. Paramotic <laughs> Bible. I recognize that one. Jeff Coyne. And I've got probably a thousand videos saved on YouTube. Wow. I've got, uh, He's ready. He's ready. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I've got folders on my computer of, uh, well, basically cloud porn, like different types of clouds, cumulonimbus, cumulus. A lot of serious. research. A lot of research, too. Oh, yeah. You'll have your uh, syllabus and USPPA stuff. No, Man, that's it, awesome. it looks like you're going about it the right way, though. That's awesome. Yeah, Do definitely. your homework. Now, you guys... At all, yeah. I heard you've been kiting a few times, but you don't own a wing yet? Not yet. Okay. But you do have a wing that your instructor has uh, let you uh, use. What What is that? It's an ozone groundhog. It's a 14 meter. It's got A's, B's, C's, and breaks. It, it's a really, really kiting nice wing. Um, it's really easy. If you've got six mile prior winds, it's super easy to get up in the air, and it's not too big, or it's going to drag you around. And I, it's more than a kiting so wing. You could fly a groundhog. Yeah. Well, well no, we have, a, we have someone could. He can't. No, we have an agreement. 
Yeah, what's the He's got to be like ready, ready. Like his instructor has to tell him because I'm afraid of heights. And if he something happens to him, I'll flip out. So <laughs> don't tell him that. Please don't encourage him <laughs> to get off the ground yet. <laughs> No, we're definitely not encouraging everybody. I'm just for, 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 all you, for all you that are listening to the podcast, um, after the fact, over at uh, paratalk.org, um, what you did not see is Shane uh, with how many, how, how many CDs? He had CDs or DVDs that he held up in front of him, and that was all just the DVDs that he was holding up in front of him, not, not even including the uh, PBG Bible that he had there. And a couple of other things. Wow. A couple of them. Look at this, guys. So if you're listening to this, you need to come over to clearproptv.com and uh, watch this. Unless you're in your car, then keep the uh, audio on. All right. Um, let's see what we got going on here real quick. Because uh, we're talking with Shane as a newbie. He has not flown yet. Uh, he's uh, an obsessed spouse. Um, and his wife is on here too, telling us how amazing he is at uh, he is. Um, spending a bunch of money on paramotor stuff. <laughs> that now, now that's not a bad thing, is it? Right? I mean, you're no, okay, really, right? I, I support him. I just it's been a little bit annoying the last two days, just to be honest. So it's like, <laughs> why? Why? why you sick of honest, the last couple of days, he's finally got a day off, and. Anyway. Oh, okay. So he's been. <laughs> so, but no, I support him, and he knows that. You know, he knows that I'm just having good fun. So. That's good. <laughs> Get to see his face, pick at him a little bit. <laughs> so, since we have a very newbie, newbie, uh, Linda, Brian, Shane, JP, Tommy, does anybody have a question for an absolute newbie that you might want to ask? Or Shane, do you have a question that you would like to ask the panel? Hmm. Let's see. So what got everybody into wanting to get into the air? Um, for me, it was Tucker got uh, flying to McDonald's. I saw, that's the first one I saw. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first one everybody sees. Yeah. For me, it was, uh, Tommy. Oh, go ahead. Uh, for me, it was the same thing you were doing. I was looking at buying a plane. And uh, I was looking at annuals and storage fees, and I was like, uh, I could buy a paramotor every single year for the same price. So I wanted a very slow Piper Cub, something I could, you know, land on sandbars at the river. And, you know, if you get the right paramotor wing and you're, you're advanced enough to fly some of these faster wings, it's about the same speed as a Piper. So that was, that was me. Same thing as you were doing. Love of flight. So glad I didn't buy a plane. <laughs> so glad I didn't buy a plane. That's a lot of hassle. <laughs> yeah. Brian, skinny chef. Well, for, skinny. Uh, all right. So for me, I was sitting in uh, in the woods hunting. It was a nice, quiet morning. Nice, brisk, cold. Well, I shouldn't say too cold. It's in Florida. Um, and I was sitting in my tree stand, and all of a sudden, a guy just flies over in a paramotor, and I was just like. Oh, that's what I need to be doing. And, uh, well, I've been doing it since November. It did take me over 20 years to finally pull the trigger and do it all, thanks to my wow. wife. 
you know, I didn't realize it took you 20 years from as that from the time you saw the paramotor in the tree stand to actually yeah. getting into it. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have a rule. We, we, we uh, don't give each other uh, birthday presents or anniversary gifts or Christmas presents. We spend all of our money on our kids. So I didn't have any extra money to buy paramotor gear or, or uh, we uh, may, had enough time, I guess, involved in our house that uh, I could uh, finance my And here I am, happy as can be. <laughs> well, good for you, brother. Sounds like you're a good, good parent for sure. But uh, for for me, it was, I guess, uh, my dad's always been into aviation. We've got a runway, a grass runway in the front yard. Um, so I've been flying for a long time, I guess, with him and a little bit by myself. But more or less, I saw a John Baptiste chandelier video where he's a paraglider on YouTube. And I was like, he's flying such awesome places, beautiful places. I see him just like hovering over the beach, like stepping from fence post to fence post and doing crazy things. I was like, that's what I want to do. But I started looking into it and I realized most places, you're not going to be able to do that unless you got good weather, you know, mountains, beaches, that kind of thing where you got good laminar winds. So I decided I need a motor and, uh, I live out of a camper. I travel the country. I decided what better thing to do than to add a paramotor to my arsenal and, and fly. And I didn't want to die. I did a lot of YouTube videos and stuff like you, you're doing. Not nearly as much as you because I don't, all I have is the paraglider's Bible. And uh, that's after I signed up for training at Aviator. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think you're going about it the right way, man. It's going to be an awesome sport. You're going to love it. And uh, Linda is the mother of a paraglider and uh, talk show host. So Linda, what, what, how, even though you don't fly, um, what, what do you think about uh, Robert and, and his flying? Oh, How do you start? I love, I love what he does. I do. Um, he's been flying since like 2017. And uh, I can't. He's always willing to learn new stuff. And what I find, there's so many awesome teachers out there to help you. So I look at it. Don't ever think you don't need that help. You know, reach out there, ask people, you know, talk to these guys that have been doing it for a while, just for safety and all that. And uh, absolutely. I. Can you give him a shout out real quick and his .com? Yep, paraglidingtalk.com on Thursday night. This is your host, right. Robert Michaels. Woohoo! That's, so That's it. I know. And I look forward. I, always, I, love, I love hanging out with him on Thursdays. So it's so fun. It's everybody. So. You guys are my family. You know that. I've, <laughs> I've grown so much just learning and listening to everything you guys are doing. It's so fun. In the past couple of years, I've grown too, outward. <laughs> <laughs> Round is a shape. It is. I can still foot launch, so that's all that matters. That is all that matters. Yeah. Uh, so we got foot launch. Uh, Shane, do you want to just foot launch? Do you want to trike? Uh, you think about paragliding? What, what is your What is your main goal? So I've looked into free flying. I've looked into foot launch and. For me, I feel like 
I'm not going to want to take the time and wait around, pair waiting as it's called, you know, for free flying. So I'm really thinking about foot launching. I think it's been my main pool. It's just, it's really fantastic how you can pretty much launch anywhere. I mean, as long as the conditions are right, you can anywhere. So I hate, I hate to give you the bad news, but um, you get to pair a weight with a motor as well um, at times. <laughs> but not as much. He's been wearing this sandbag weighted vest thing. Nice. How many pounds? Six. Nice. Oh. You're gonna be you're gonna be prepared. I I prepared with a forty pound backpack doing short bursts running because uh, that that's what you're gonna need to do. But sixty pounds, man. Run, run some fifty yards. Run some fifty yard sprints with that weight on your back, man. You'll be good to go. No, we go to town with it. He wears it when we got our kid's car. Like he wore it. He wears it all over. <laughs> so I'm just picking. But yeah, see, it's good a, job, it's babe. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. You know, I, my problem with, with uh, I broke a prop last week and it was just because of weight of the motor. If it wouldn't have been for weight of the motor, you know, if you, you fall with 60 pounds on your back, it's hard to regain your step. So, especially you know, that's, that's going to help a lot. Yeah, especially when yeah, you're strapped, strapped in, in, you don't have that range of motion to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, yep. I, I have a belly. Good. I have a belly, so I keep my prop off the ground. <laughs> Prop protector. That's what you need to start saying. Yeah. Prop protector. <laughs> I used to. I, I used to build this uh, this belly up to protect my 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 tool, for, like a shed. But <laughs> but what are we talking about here? What are we? Talking about? <laughs> I think we've gone off the shed. The shed was going oh, south. Hold on. You guys aren't letting me finish. So now it's a buffer, a bouncer, like a, a barrier, if you will, from a paramotor prop and and the cage and everything, so it don't hit the ground. It's better than telling everybody. (laughs) I told everybody at the first time I met the whole crew when they were towing at the sod farms that my husband's in the shower and all I can hear is, mind you, it's like the first (laughs) sentence I say and embarrass me so much. So you're in the shower and we're hearing humming, huh? Okay. So he took the paramotor in the shower with him? No, his phone, his videos, his videos. <laughs> That's all you. But the guys got me. They were like, "Well, if he's, you're hearing brrr in the shower." Um, oh, it embarrassed me. It was so funny. <laughs> hey, just be happy that he's not a free flight guy. I'm a free flight guy, so my wife constantly hears. Vario, Navario. She has to. No, he don't need that. No. No, we don't. We don't. Flight. We couldn't afford our wives to fly. <laughs> ah. like my wife doesn't like lobster or crab legs or any of those things, and we go out on a date. It's really cheap. I don't want her to like to fly. That'd be too expensive. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like to fly, and I'm allergic to all that. So, yeah, I don't. I want him. It's to a keeper shame. Thing. I That's scored a big. Thing. I'm telling you, I scored perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> The truth in it is, is I want him to have his one thing. He went from hobby to hobby to hobby. You know, we got motorcycles and all that stuff, and he's finally got something that he is obsessed with. So well, I think I need to put, like, a butt fan on me and or something. That's what I call it. I'm like, did you get the butt fan? <laughs> but anyway, sorry. I was not 
bad mouthing fair motor. Yeah, no, it's called a it's called a butt fan. Oh, it really right. is. Oh. Yeah, I'll pick yeah. at him. I'm like, do I need to go get a butt fan or something? I, t- <laughs> I told a, I told a lady at a gas station I was getting some non-ethanol gas, filling it up. She said, "What is that thing for?" I said, "I get gassy, and my wife made me buy this thing." <laughs> <laughs> Very expensive way to get that smell downwind, but you know. Yeah. So oh, I, I can't got another question. All right, shoot. Yes. Okay, okay. so. I think one of my biggest concerns was I'm new, you know, this is all going to be really new to me. I, I know I'm addicted already, but for other newbies that are looking into this, I think one of the fears is how long have y'all been paramotoring and free flying? And, you know, is it still something you enjoy? Is it going to be in a sport that you enjoy for as long as you live, or is it something where it's just going to be like, uh That's, I think that's pretty much personal. It, it, I think a lot of people are, you know, get obsessed about doing it. Once they uh, go to class, they're like, eh, that was neat, on to the next. And then you have some people, like me, um, that goes out and flies every chance they get. Brian, he goes out and flies every chance he gets. So does uh, Skinny Shane, goes out and flies. Uh, Tommy now, he's going out and flying with me every chance he gets. Uh, I've been flying for only 10 months, and I have uh, 100, about 150 flight hours and 200 hours on my, uh, my, my wing uh, because I kited for at least 50 hours before I even started. So... In ten in ten months, I got two hundred hours on my on my uh, wing, and I go through about ten five gallons of gas a day. Wow! So I'll give you an answer like this. Also, whenever uh, you said you're into motorcycles, I've, I've at one point had nine different bikes, and I'd go out to Hallett, and eventually I get around that track and I can wheelie out of every turn. I can put a knee down into every turn. I can back it in. I go into the air and every time I think I know what's going to happen because of my experience with different hobbies. You have no, every time it's so different. I don't care if it's the same field, the same flight. Every time you have a different experience, you see something different. You know, you see a bird and all of a sudden it flies around you or, or you, I think this thing that surprised me the most is how much you can see. We take a double, a triple rainbow, pinnacle mountain, a triple rainbow. Or you fly over a cloud and see a rainbow circle around your own shadow for the first time. You're like, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just so much different stuff to see and it's always different. It's never the same at the same, you know, Hallett, that track is always the exact same. There's nothing going to change about it. The bump and turn two is going to be the bump and turn two. Flying a paramotor is always a different experience. And it's so, so Shane, um, go ahead and uh, go ahead and chat and tell us what you think about um, about this. Are, are, when you first started, were you thinking that you're going to go out just on the weekends, or is this something that you know obsessed you also? Uh, Shane, Shane, skinny Shane, chef. Did I lose skinny Shane, chef? Did my internet go out? Oh, 
leaving my bed because my wife was in it on the weekends. And I got my paramotor, and I'm like, get off me, woman. I got to go. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) she's kind of happy, too, because she likes to sleep in. And if I'm there, I normally don't let her sleep in because, well, I'm ready to go do something exciting and fun. So I go and do my thing, and she gets to sleep in, so it's awesome. But once you take that first flight, it it you don't want to come back down and if you do you want to go right back up so understand yeah you may uh don you may end up uh feeling a little distant that's because he's gonna be oh it's already there it's already (laughs) there so but you can't yell at him because he's not going to hear you at 2,000 right. feet. Just so you know. <laughs> that works. I'll find me more hobbies. <laughs> uh, you, need a, you need a radio for that. Yeah. I just <laughs> got the Cena. Yeah. Good, my wife good called me. System. She's like, yeah. I just got the Cena and my wife's called me. She's like, hey, do you know that we're supposed to be doing this? I'm like, I'm already on the ground at 2,500 feet. Um, I'll be right there. <laughs> Hurry up. Get down. Get down. Get down. <laughs> Which is paramotor is the only time I've ever really lied to my wife. Honest, true story. Oh, great. And uh, yeah, anytime she's like, are you landed yet? I'm like, yep. She's like, well, GPS says you're, uh," I'm like, no, that's lying. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's on delay. It's on delay. (laughs) This is so true story. I'm telling you right now, I, I don't lie to the girl. I love her to death. She's my world. And when it comes to paramotor, I'm like, mm, no, I didn't do anything dangerous today as I went under high voltage power lines the other day. But <laughs> we won't talk about that. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Brian Haybill Waller. Knowledge is power. Brian Haybill Waller, uh, when you <laughs> first started getting into this, is this something that you thought that you were going to be doing forever? Or is this something you thought, oh, just do it on the side? What, what was your thoughts? No, man, I was, I was very ambitious. The first time that you get in the air, Shane, you're going to – hopefully you have an instructor in your ear or somebody that's knowledgeable walking you through part of it. But either way, you're going to be addicted, man. I mean, after that – you know, I don't, I'm afraid of heights. I broke my leg in an airplane crash 30 years ago. And uh, I was afraid of heights. I'm still afraid of heights. If I get on a 12 story balcony or something, my legs start shaking, but flying a paramotor is totally different. I mean, you get up there, you know, once you're over 50, actually it doesn't scare me at all. I mean, I could be flying five feet off the ground and run straight into a bill of hay and, you know, I'm not scared, but <laughs> no, man, you're, you're, you're going to love it. Um, I've got about 63 flights in. I've got a runway in my front yard. My goal is to basically travel all over and fly with people and uh, just fly some really cool places. Seeing Tucker Gott fly over the Hoover Dam, I think is probably my number one thing I want to do right now. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool places, no doubt. Brian, Brian, don't you don't you mean to go to Ohio for the uh, Pruden fly-in and uh, hang out with me? That that's That's what you're trying to say, right? No, that was September, right? <laughs> yeah, September 4th through the 7th. 
I'll, I'll put it. I'll I'll keep it on. Uh, Come on, man. you retired. You got nothing better to do. Limp around. That's it. Yeah. Something well, I, I have another. I have a lot of hobbies, just like the rest of y'all, man. And one of oh, them is, yeah. uh, I'm I'm a bow hunter, and I like to go out to Colorado every every fall yep. and go ar- archery hunting for elk. And yep. uh, I'm not very I'm not very successful, but I love to be in the woods. And uh, I, man, that's some good meat. I don't know if you ever had any. <laughs> I know we 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 talked about this. I was just giving you some just some grief about it. But I'll take my paramotor out there when I go from now on, and. Uh, I can't hunt the same day I fly. You know, it's, it's a legal issue, but, but uh, you know, I can still go fly in the mountains. And that's why I got the Monster 185, so I can take off from six or 7,000 feet high. That's right. Yep. Uh, Sh- Shane, what, what motor are you uh, looking at getting? You haven't bought, correct? You haven't bought a, any gear yet? I've not bought any gear yet. Um, of course, my dream is actually a Kane Gook frame. And a Moster 185, but you know, right now I'm just trying to get my feet wet in the sport. So my next question for everybody: What do, what do y'all think about used or new? Let's go. You know, wings and paramotors. I mean, what's y'all's outlook on that? My my outlook is a new wing. And uh, you could go uh, a used motor or a new motor. But as far as a wing, I would go new just because that's what's holding you up there. That's what's keeping <laughs> you safe. A motor just pushes you. Um, what do you guys think? Exactly. Just remember the wing <clears throat> enables you to fly. The motor just gets you out, uh, air, you know, altitude. But uh, I, I think that if you've got a used wing and you send it off and had it tested and certified for you know, a couple hundred bucks, you know, you'd probably be safe too, but you know, panel may disagree. I will tell I you right now. Hold, um, uh, over at Four Winds, um, Shannon, Shannon Michael, she um, she will certify a wing and have it tested for it. Like I think it's like less than a hundred bucks. Wow. So new, babe. New. Thank you. No, no, no. Use, use. If you no, if you I get want it, him to get new. If he's going to be in the air. Oh, here's the thing though here's the thing that i think on that is is there's a lot of brand new wings that get bought and used for two or three months and people are like i don't need a mojo powered i want a b-wing yep. and now they've got this 1500 dollars mojo powered that's got 20 hours on it it's 1500 dollars he, he meant 35 four thousand he meant 35 four thousand Man, I've seen no. so many Mojo Powers on sites for cheap. 2017, just just yep. because I'm looking for something with trims on it. I'm not gonna buy a Mojo, but man, like I've seen some cheap ones out there used. Yeah, I think but, a beginner wing, you're more likely to find more of those out there. Beginner wings. Yeah, it's you almost like baby clothes. Like you're buying baby clothes. You can buy <laughs> you can buy brand new baby clothes, but used baby clothes are only used for a couple of months. Right. Okay. Well, and and I will tell you right now, there there is a lot of dislike for the Nuvic uh, link, or actually the Nuvic brand wings. Um, I have a beginner uh, wing. It's a, a wing. It, I bought it brand new. It's a Link Two, and I find a well. I have I've been told many times that no one can keep up with my wing because I'm so fast on it. And when you go is to so their, fat on it. Yeah, that's what it said. Fat on it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> actually, 
are not. I'm right in the middle. I'm gonna make sure you just see my head. I w- Don, I have so many jokes, but I won't because I don't know you that well. Oh, yeah. I'm. Yeah, you're totally fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, I get a, I get a lot of comments on how fast the wing is, and I have no intentions on selling the swing and moving on to something better or faster. Um, I'm totally happy with it. I, I wouldn't change it right now for nothing. Um, I'm at about 60 hours of flight time and probably 90 hours of kiting total. So I really, I got, I'm holding on to this thing, but you can get a used wing that doesn't have that many hours on it. I just seen the other day, a Moster, I can't even remember what frame it was on. It was a Moster 185. It had 0.6 hours on it. It was on sale for, or they had it for sale for like 3900 bucks or something. I was like, holy crap, it's got 0.6 hours. Doesn't even have an hour on it. They're already selling it. Why? Why? I think it's somebody that probably didn't know what they were doing. They tried to fly, got scared, don't want nothing to do with this sport no more, and is willing just to sell everything and be done with it. Oh no! So that's possible. Yeah, welcome, welcome back, Don. Sorry, my phone's going dead. It, it just, just so y'all know, I bought my I know, I gotta find it. Hang on. <laughs> my my first wing is used. So uh, uh, somebody at Aviators went through the training class, purchased a brand new custom color wing that was blue and black, colors I really like. And I guess they decided they want to B-rate a wing, so they basically uh, backed out on it. And I got it as a used price because the aviator decided they wanted to use it as a training wing in class. And they opened it up for my class, and actually six people out of the eight people in my class um, soloed on my wing. And I bought it used after, after a guy in the class damaged the wing by getting it in his prop. Aviator sent it off to a shop. He flew it in his plane, had it fixed overnight, brought it right back, and I saved uh, like seven hundred bucks on a wing. Hmm. All right. Uh, my next question, since we're on the wing topic, um, <laughs> do y'all recommend? You know, there's so many different sizes of wings, and it was really hard to find some good information with being weighted on a wing. What do y'all? How do y'all go about with? Um, you know. Where is the good weight range ratio? Like, do you want to be more on the heavy side, more on the light side, right dead in the middle? I mean, how do y'all, how do y'all come up with information like that? Well, we got uh, Kevin can fly. He is an instructor. He uh, he teaches lots of students. So, uh, Kevin, if uh, you are available to answer that question, what weight range would be good on a wing? Could you give us? Uh, could you give us your opinion? You're you're muted. We can't hear you. <laughs> Who are we there talking we about? Hello Kevin can fly. Hello and welcome, oh. everybody. Sorry, I'm who's, party. Um, who's Kevin? So, to to answer the question that you've asked, the general rule of thumb for a student is that you want to be about seventy to eighty percent of the gross weight range. And when you measure your gross weight range, that's your body, the motor, and the wing. So you also have to account for the weight of the wing as well. Okay. So if you weigh 190 pounds, 
and then your motor is 60 pounds and your wing is 10 pounds, that's going to be your collective all up weight is every single thing that leaves the ground. Okay. Write that down, babe. Write that down. Including including your gas, which I I usually leave with um, five gallons, which is an extra 30 pounds of gas. I would like to hear his opinion on used wings also, because yeah, that would be. Used, used wings are, used wings are fantastic. If you have an inspection report or know the person you're getting it from and the person. it was cared for. Um, if, if you ever have a question, I, I know it seems kind of perplexing to spend the 125 bucks and then the shipping, but it's better to spend 125 bucks and find out that that wing is not for you than it is to spend, say, $2,000 and get a wing that now needs a $700 set of lines or something put on it. Love that answer. That's awesome. So, Kevin, but, what, do you, what do you think about um, a, a new person just getting into the sport? Do you think they should get a, a new wing and a used motor, or what do you think about that? Well, my recommendation is always if you're on a budget is to spend your money on a new wing and a used motor. Your body literally hangs from the wing. It doesn't hang from the motor. So an older wing that may be out of trim, especially for a new pilot, he's going to have a hard time kiting it and have success with launches because the wing's going to have poor characteristics. If it's a new wing, then you're essentially starting new. So the wing is only going to get as beat up as you beat it up. You don't have to worry about somebody has tearing it up before you. Like and I'd love, to, I'd love to believe that everybody in the world is honest, but when they say it has five hours, it's crisp, and it's never been wet, there's generally a reason why they're selling a used wing. Maybe it's because, like you pointed out, they want to move up to a B wing. Maybe it's because they bought a wing that was too hot for them and they needed to step down. Maybe it's because they got that wing and kited it into a couple of bushes, had to put a couple of patches on it and decided that they now have gotten past their bumps and want a new one. So when you look at a used wing, especially from a student standpoint, you definitely are going to want to have somebody with you who has the knowledge and expertise to be able to look at what it is that's being offered and be able to disseminate its character and the type of longevity you can expect to get from it some wings you can get basically brand new for arguably a thousand dollars off some wings you can get with 275 hours and the guy still wants retail so that's where having the mentor will help you decide which is worth and that's the key word worth the money you're spending towards it if you buy new there's never a question because new is in fact new. Here's my next question. Um, how long do wings typically last? I know you've got to consider UV and all normal wear and tear, but on an average, you know, how long do typical wings last? With proper care, you can expect 300 hours so if you send your
glider of repetitious behavior can make a wing fail at 150 hours. So it's, it's all about how it's cared for. Is the myth about uh, colors on a wing true? I mean, should if you're getting a wing that you're wanting to last and break the world record for how long it lasts, uh, all white? No, that used to be the case back before we got really good at making high-grade materials. And now that the materials are becoming better and lighter, it doesn't really matter the color. It's still the same material. They've just dyed the plastic. And this is one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is the wing itself is made out of ripstop nylon. Ripstop nylon is just simply nylon. And nylon is simply a fun way of saying plastic. So we all have plastic wings. When you think about what plastic does in sun, what plastic does in heat, those are the big things that are gonna deteriorate your wing the fastest. So anytime you can use climate controlled, keeping your wing inside the house, put it inside your closet, don't leave it in your garage, don't leave it in your car, those kind of things, it's drastic temperature swings, that stuff will help break down the plastic faster. That will take hours away from your wing. But the color doesn't really have as much anymore. It used to be that case when the, when the nylons weren't as good and the materials were a lot heavier, you would have like a black or a blue wing or a dark purple wing, would absorb more sunlight, would break down and deteriorate the fabric quicker. Now the material is much better. We don't have that problem as much. So if you uh, fly like early in the morning where the UV light is uh, not harsh and you fly in the evening where the UV light is not harsh, you stay away from sand, snow, gravel, and stuff like that, um, way over 300, maybe 500, especially if you get it annually inspected, Kevin? Yeah, if it's properly cared for, if you put it away dry, fold it up properly, care for the nose, and then have all of your inspection periods done when they're supposed to be arguably supposed to be done. And, you know, I, I, as much as, as it's easy to say and not so easy to do being without your wing for seven to 10 days to give it to a glider shop and not have something to fly for seven or 10 days is like telling the junkie they can't get high. Like it's, it's just painful. But at the end of the day, it's worth it knowing the safety of your equipment and being able to put a hundred percent, 110% confidence and faith into your equipment is paramount when you're going three, five, seven, ten thousand feet into the air. Yeah. I'm, I'm having to send mine out. Uh, in case you all didn't know, I decided to not turn around and kite my wing back down and it floated forward nicely into my hot muffler and burnt a big hole in it. So I laughed it off. <laughs> no problem. Uh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll send it off and I'll buy a new wing. So I guess money. I got a new wing oh. coming in tomorrow. So no, that's my excuse to have a second wing. I am not worried about it. So are you hey, saying hey, your wing? Are you are you saying your wing got exhausted? <laughs> yes. Uh. And, and if I was running in front of a car, I got tired. Anyway, yes, I know yes. those. Those are great. All right. Um, but so if you fly on Sunday, that wing can be the one that you fly on Sunday because it's holy. Oh well, yeah, hey. that's a good one. I like so, it. It's a church wing. 
Hey, yes. I have a question for the uh, guest, Shane. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, so I know you've been doing a lot of research online and whatnot. I mean, do you have any plans to potentially go to a, a school or get any kind of professional training, or are you really just going to try to do it on your own? So when I first started this, I was really trying to save money, and I was like, well, I'll just, you know, I've watched so many videos. I'll just train myself. And I was like, okay, this is easy, no problem. I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. And um, I was actually watching one of Kylo's videos, and he said that he got some training from Britton Shaw. And so I looked, I looked up Mr. Britton and was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to call him and, you know, see what, what all we can do. So I called him and he invited me up to Oklahoma and I went up there for the first time ever and I kited a wing. Well, I've never really been around wings that size. I have kites and, you know, I've, I've started understanding the aerodynamics of, you know, the wing in the air, but never anything so big. So I go to the, the mountaintop and knowing nothing, I'm like, yeah, cool, let's do this. I strap up to the wing and they're like, okay, pull up the A's. I didn't know anything. So I was like, well, what's, what are the A's? So they took it back off. They showed me pretty much a quick rundown of everything and I strapped back up to it and pulled it up. Well, a nice little gust of wind came and it was probably, I don't know, five or six miles prior. It was a real light wind and kind of pulled me around and it, uh, it threw me on a whole different loop. I was just completely mind blown about how different it is in my head thinking that I can, I can just do this myself. I don't recommend self-training. It can be very dangerous. So I've definitely got an instructor and anybody looking for an instructor, Mr. Britton is fantastic. He really knows what he's talking about and he can help you do pretty much anything you're wanting to do. So I went the instructor way. I, I think that's, I think that's the appropriate thing to do. JP, um, our IT guy is uh, putting some pictures up here, uh, some videos. What are we looking at JP? This is actually last week's guest. I saw that he just uh, uploaded a, a video instead of having just all of our faces on it. That would be cool to have some launching shots in the background. Speaking about yeah, Britain's, YouTube. Britain's most of our – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Speaking about YouTube real quick, uh, Shane, what is your YouTube channel? Do you have one, and can we get to it? Got one, but I've not uploaded anything just yet. I'm thinking about doing some newbie how-to videos. I think me and you talked about that. And, well, I just feel like it would be. No, he's not on there yet. He doesn't. Yeah, he's got to have my help, you guys. Life is definitely the technical. He part. works so much that he's just now finally getting me some videos. So he works constantly. So. 
Hey, all of us pilots would be lucky to have a camera person on the ground and take video and help exactly. the process. Exactly. So, Don, you'll be appreciated, <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> oh, that's that's the part. That's one of my hobbies. I want a really nice camera and stuff. So, and I want a Mac. I gave my our son starts college basketball. Um, he starts college. Um, well, actually, the. 18th like coming up very quick but anyways um i gave him my mac and i'm like oh no i can't live life without my mac so i want i need a mac and a really nice camera <laughs> you know i gotta get my paramotor first and then yeah. we can... <laughs> no it's fine i can do it with my phone so i'm thinking matter. a paramotor and everything all together is about ten thousand dollar hobby what could you do, do Don, with $10,000 for your photography hobby? Uh, I don't need really much, really. I mean, nah. In photography, that just pays for one lens. That's nothing. Ain't that the I know. I mean, to be honest with you, I really want him to have something that he can do, you know? I mean, our life has kind of revolved around. We opened a business, and then, you know, COVID came, and he's not really been sociable he moved here from dewitt arkansas to searcy left his whole family for me and my kids so i mean it's whatever i support him i'll pick at him but i guess if i didn't pick at him he probably wouldn't think i cared so he needs to see it as a, as a positive not a negative so, but yeah i mean i've got a camera i just yeah In all fairness, i'm not an expensive man... person in all fairness, every man that achieves greatness is always driven by a great woman. So that means you're doing that something so good. I don't know about all that, but I can approve. I, I, I agree with Don. If I'm not Listen, picking on you, I don't like you. And I know, haven't picked on Kevin yet. So We know about your, we know about your <laughs> domestic rap sheet, Shane. We don't need to hear about your marital problems. Oh, I'm, I got no rap sheet at all. I got no Kevin, rap sheet I hope you're right, man. But if you are right, I'm screwed because I don't have a good woman behind me, man. By the way, single. You barely, you barely got a leg to stand on. Oh! oh no, <laughs> that's mean. Now watch. We'll talk to him next, and he'll be limping or something. You better watch it. Come well, maybe if, he, maybe if he back talks you, but not from paramotoring. <laughs> she didn't say no. She just laughed it through. <laughs> So, so I'm very happy that Shane is uh, really looking at uh, at doing this. He's uh, he's got an instructor. He is uh, taking his time. He's learning. He has a good woman be that's backing him. It's like please learn and learn and learn, mm -hmm. and make sure you don't do anything silly. So uh, since we're kind of like at eight o'clock, we're at the kind of the end of the show. Let's go ahead and finish the show up. Um, JP, if you're there, can you uh, spool up uh, Brian Haybell Waller's little uh, incident real quick and show Don what can happen if again? You, uh, let's not really? do that again. I gotta see. Let me see. <laughs> and then, let, let, let's not do that. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't I care, guys. I've probably seen it if it's on YouTube. I mean, no, you, no, you just, full, full disclosure. I, I mean, I'm a newbie too. You know, I've got well, you're three flights. And I've You're been flying okay, for though. less than a year, so, yeah. yeah. Well, so I, got a, I got a question for Shane. Oh. I, I'm curious to know, at, at this point so far, what has been your most frustrating portion of this? Well, 
To be honest, that would be just not being able to get into the air right now. Sure. And the next thing would be probably trying to kite. Like, I can reverse kite extremely well. You know, I can get the wing up, hold it up, reverse kite, and forward launch. But whenever it comes just to forward launching by itself, that's a different story. Um, which some of the videos I've watched, they said that forward launching is a lot harder than reverse launching, and I can definitely vouch for that. So well, if anybody has any pointers out there that, you know, well, I love learning new stuff. Since you so live can, so close, um, whenever you want to go and uh, kite, uh, just let me know. This is Brian Hay Bale Waller, and the reason why he's got his name Hay Bale is because... Oh, I saw this. Yeah, he thought... Uh -oh. He thought he was Superman foot. Yeah, is that your foot that got broke really bad? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it already. Yeah. Not I didn't know one. you were talking to a famous person, did you? It was terrible. <laughs> oh. Did you see that airplane up there on the top right? He had an airplane that went above you. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. I, I just saw that, and I think I've seen your uh... – Yeah, I, I knew he was there. That's cool. I, I had one fly under me Saturday that was less than 100 feet from us. That is really cool. We got to be careful about that. That stuff. is not cool. That's scary. Does the wind come off of that or something? I don't know. It was, it was beautiful weather, and uh, oh, I was okay. just practicing. I was still practicing flying low, maintaining oh, I can't I making turns. I see these two bells of hay. Like, yeah, I'm gonna split that gap, and I get target fixation. Oh, I saw it. I saw it again. Yeah. Oh. You sound mind. like Don. You sound like the first time me and my wife were together. I saw it. I saw it. There was. I saw this one already. Once I see oh, I think you just heard my face turn red. That was embarrassing. <laughs> I broke my arm real bad, and that just brought back memories. Ugh, that's uh, so bad. I yeah, I hate I hate watching it, but I can't look away. It's every time oh. I'm just like, oh, here we go. So so uh, since so since we have a newbie here, we probably have newbies that are watching. Um, Brian, uh, go ahead and give us your takeaway on what happened and uh, why this will not happen to a newbie. Brian Waller. Well, hopefully a newbie won't put themselves in the same situation that I did like an idiot. But uh, no, I was having fun, man. And, and be honest with you, most of you are going to do the same thing. You're going to want to fly low. Yep. It's, it's fun to get up high, you know, and, and see the good eagle view and get over clouds and all that. But to me, flying low is kind of where it's at. Um, you know, I, I never fly without a GoPro, so I had a GoPro rolling here, luckily, and uh, got a little good footage on it. And, uh, Tucker got did a review of it, got a bunch uh -huh. of views. But, yeah, uh, but yeah um, you know, obviously I got target fixation, hindsight. You know, that, that last 100 yards flying into the between the bells of hay, I was staring at the one on the left because I was going towards it. And I was going towards it because I was staring at it. And, uh, you know, basically I made some bad corrections um, at the end. I, I, I should have gave a throttle. I should have pulled both brakes to flare over the bells of hay. But, uh, you know, I, I made a mistake. That was flight number 63 for me. I got 20 hours on that motor. And, uh, you know, I broke the prop, did a little damage to the net. But the main thing was the damage to my ego and the, the leg. But... Luckily, I'm seven and a half weeks post-accident now, and I'm uh, walking around without crutches, and 
optimistically. I'll be flying in a month. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I was down and out for less than three months. It sucks. It cost me some money. But, uh, you know, nothing's going to hold me back. That's just how I feel about paramotoring. I mean, it's just such a cool sport to be a part of. It's not just the experience of paramotor flying, but it's the community and the family you become mm. part of. You know, yep. these people that are here in this chat right now, all the people I trained with down at Aviator, I'm, I'm still in contact with most of them. And, and, you know, now I know people in most states to go fly with. I just got to get out there and do it. <laughs> all I heard was a long-winded story about how you were trying to meet women so you thought you'd pick up some nerves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, chicks dig scars, man. I got a five-inch scar on my left leg, so <coughs> I was aiming for a catheter. She was supposed <laughs> to put it in. <laughs> All I got was an enema. <laughs> oh gosh! Wow. Got to settle for something, man. Got to settle for something. <laughs> I believe Since everybody's you got some in this panel right here. If, if you had an injury, you would be right back at it, too, as soon as you could. I mean, we, you know, it's just something you fall in love with. And uh, I really look forward to seeing your video, Shane, go up on the Internet. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to see you in a hospital like that, no. but I want to see some good flying well, videos. I got, a, I got a fun one on my channel you guys can watch. Yeah, what's All that? Right. You could pull it up, JP. It's called I Ate Shit. No clickbait. Hey, I watched that. <laughs> no, are you? Is that the one where you've? Um, hold on, I eat shit. No clickbait. I saw that. That title. I, I, I bottomed out going downwind. I, I've, I've seen so many too. Don't tell my husband. So I do watch them, but then I get freaked out. It did. I didn't get hurt. It ruined a prop, but I didn't get hurt. Yeah. Okay, so since we're talking about props, real quick. A show of hands, how many people have destroyed a prop at least once? Oh, at least one. Okay. You beat your grandpa. Everybody's, everybody says that they at least have one. Everybody he's not, talked to. Did, did I? Not, grandpa. No. <laughs> not and, yet. And I uh -oh, know because I have the angel. And look at what I've done. Uh, you, I, I did the same thing Kevin did. I did the same thing that Tommy did. Uh, I, I have not done what Brian did. But I have done some crazy things, and it has bounced all over the place, and it always bounces back. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to ppgangel.com and check out the SkyTap uh, paramotor. It's built well, like a tank. To, to clarify, my paramotor, or excuse me, my prop never hit the ground. What happened is my cage drug a whole bunch of rocks up rocks. Into, the frickin', into the prop, and then the rocks hit the prop, blowing it up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my, my prop actually hit the cage when the cage deflected back from the Bella Hay, and the, the prop actually hit the titanium frame and broke. So I um, think I did the same thing last Wednesday. I uh, trying to get my wing to pop up a little quicker. I gassed it a little too early to taxi. The thrust line caught the wing, just kind of threw me over, and I fell. And yep, I broke one last Wednesday night trying to trying to fly around. And, what is this, Ooh, an old VHS or, or Betamax tape? What the hell? I put a filter on it. <laughs> it's a cool filter. Yeah, like it. This is what I was used to seeing in, in like the 80s. Why are we seeing this no, in I the like 4K it. age? Well, then you were in the 80s. 
Yeah, because it's because it's crash because it's crash footage. So I figured I would give it that whole like eight millimeter feel of like you know when when that whole and it was at this moment he knew he had blanked up. <laughs> well, actually, they said that filters will actually get you more views than regular if you have filters on. Oh, I've so, had a filter on this whole show. <laughs> that's why. I don't know that's why he's skinny and buff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you if you pay any attention to the windsock, I was going upwind. Now I'm going downwind, and as you see, the hill has just a slight rise in the middle. So as I'm going downwind right here, you'll see that Gabe climbs right as he gets to the top. As I'm descending, and what happens is right as I get to the top of this hill, I get to the low the low pressure. And I just get dumped. And so I'm on the throttle trying to climb out, and it's just not climbing. And here I am. I'm running, and that's where your feet can't keep up. Oh. Yeah. Now, now show my video of the same thing and how I was able to turn it 90 degrees and, and save it because I was on the angel frame. Well, wait, wait a minute, Kevin. You I, say you I'm have about to say, didn't we see the rock? I mean, you I broke the rock. I saw that rock coming through the thing. Yeah, so as I'm as I'm running, oh, the, the cage the cage actually bottoms out and and con contacts the gravel road, and when it when the cage contacts the road, it, the prop just in because I was at full throttle trying to get out of the sink, mm -hmm. and I was just sink. I mean, that literally as you watch, I'm just sinking and sinking at full throttle trying to climb, and I'm just falling into a dark hole, and the cage hits the ground, and as soon as the cage hits the ground, it just lifts all that gravel right through the propeller, and it just blew the prop up. How long ago was this, Kevin? That was back in like February. Okay. Do you ever come across phenomenons like that? I've actually uh, had a friend that broke his back skydiving. He's coming in to land and he's full flare. I mean, full flare. And it looks like, it looks like he's free falling. I mean, he hit the ground going 40. Do you ever have a downdraft like that? Or is that, I don't know. I've, well, I've seen some this, crazy things happen. So, so this times. right here is is what we like to refer to as the downwind demon. And the wind will hit the upside of the hill and compress. And on the backside of the hill, it's a low pressure because the wind basically rides up and over the hill. And so as soon as you hit that low pressure, it's basically the same as flying into rotor almost. There's just nothing. There's no density there to keep you up. And okay. the, the, the air is descending, so it's pushing you down into the ground. Hey, okay. hey JT, if you'll go to my channel and pull up a, a video that's called Botch Landing, it's one of the last five videos I released. Um, you'll see at, at the very end where I land, you'll see um, some pretty bad sink. Yeah, I, I, had this, I had a question for Kevin. The same thing happened to me on the motor out, or the engine, or the ran out of fuel. As soon as I came out of my seat, it literally dropped me 10 feet, and it's just like I just hit a pocket. Yeah, it's like you just fall out of the sky. Yeah, and you hear me in there go, whoa. Whoa. I just dropped. Yeah, yeah I was like, what the hell was – We call it flying through a hole. Okay. Now, I was just kind of curious. That's the main reason why when we teach students, we teach them to land with their hands way up high, building all the speed they can. Because if right. you fly through a hole like that and your hands are up, the glider normally has time to correct for what's going on. When you're already at minimum sink and you fly into a hole, it's the same as having no flares. Like Tommy yeah. said, you can literally bury your hands and there's just nothing there. There's no pressure. 
and the, right. the glider works on pressure. So when there's no pressure, it's just a rag above your head, and you start falling out of the sky. No, I was, I was curious because I've never had that experience before, and here I am with running out of fuel, coming into land, and just – I mean, it just happened to be perfect timing. As soon as I come out of my seat, I, I just drop. I was just like, what was that? I had no idea. See, and a more efficient wing is less prone to, to respond there to that than a, than, a, than, a, than a less efficient wing. So Look at if you're flying, say, like a paraglider wing with your paramotor, that sink isn't going to be nearly as bad as a reflex wing because a reflex wing is basically designed to dive and we use the motor to level oh. out. Oh, I see what you did there. All right, so if you, back, if you back that up a little bit, this runway runs north to south and there was a wind out of the south east blowing across the top of these trees. As soon as yeah, I dropped over the top of these trees to the right here, I mean, I just dropped. I mean, and I go from no flare to full flare. Boom, just like that. And I do a knee Is this and a golf skin. course, Brian? Yeah, we got golf carts. But, no, it's our grass run right in the front yard. No, is it, is it a golf course? No, no, it's not a golf course. But we just have oh. golf carts. That's convenient. That, that, that white golf cart that I race my paramotor buggy. Basically, I, I can just paramotor on the back, throw the wing on the roof, and go launch from anywhere. So, so, Brian, do you have permission to hunt this property? Yes, I do. I own it. <laughs> oh, well, hey, best friend. How you doing, sir? <laughs> I'll tell you how awesome you are. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm watching this video, and I have an awesome idea, which is I want that golf cart to be at full speed down the runway, and I want to foot drag the roof without actually dragging my foot. I want to just touch it, leave it there while we both drive down the runway together. I have awesome. I got to correct myself, guys. I, I said I own it. It's, it's my family's property. I got to correct myself. Hey, I'm willing to be a doctor. That means you own it I, I, have per, I have permission to hunt on it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> my mom hasn't told me no yet. Yeah. <laughs> Until I hurt myself. <laughs> Oh, oh, two hundred and sixty-two. So, I already picked up another subscriber. <laughs> so, I got another question. Um, another thing I was looking into was hang points for the paramotor. Um, what's the difference in high, you know, medium, low, and weight shift? What do y'all feel about all them? So, put out a great claims the the differences between the three what makes one better than another one. Essentially, the best middle-of-the-road paramotor you can get is a mid-hang point with swan arms. It's not the best for stability, nor is it the best for torque, but it is the, quote, best for the all-around experience. Okay. High hang points are kind of antiquated. People don't really use them anymore. Low hang points are good if you have the feeling to fly the seat board and use a lot of the weight shift that it provides you. With the swan arms, you get both the weight shift, but it also provides a lot of stability because your chest strap that connects the swan arms together in the front, if you slack that strap out, it'll give you more weight shift. And if you pull that strap tight, it'll take away your weight shift. So you actually have the ability with a mid-hang point system to adjust how much weight shift you allow the paramotor to give you. 
Hey, okay. Kevin, can you explain what swan arms are? So if you look at the picture, the guy that says sucks in both, and you see how the arm comes from the, the red connection point, and it swoops under his armpit, up to the carabiner, and then back down to the, where the seat connects, that big swooping motion, that's what they call a swan arm because it kind of resembles a swan's neck. So some arms come straight out. Some arms have a little dip and then go straight out. And then some arms articulate in both directions. So there's straight arms and then there's J bars and then there's swan arms. And that's how they differentiate them. Okay. Um, and fixed like mine on the angel. Correct. These are great questions, by the way. Really good questions. My next question would be, you know, what do y'all think about clutch versus non-clutch? I definitely recommend a clutch, but not having one is not a deal breaker. I have a Moster Classic that doesn't have a clutch, and I, I fly it and teach with it. It's, it's not anything that will stop you from having fun. It's just something that you have to be conscious of. When you're on the ground, you can't turn around and look at your wing. If you turn around and look at the wing, you'll suck the lines into the prop, and then you'll be starting everything all over. I also had uh, both, too. My first motor was uh, Mo uh, Moser 185 Classic, which was a straight prop, no clutch. And um, I, I, I liked it. It, it, had, it revved up quickly, and uh, it felt like I had a lot of thrust. And then I moved up to a Moser 185 My 19 with a clutch. And to me, I don't know, it really feels like I lost a lot of – a lot of thrust when I went from a uh, non-clutch to a clutched. Uh, also, it's more maintenance when you uh, deal with a clutch. The biggest difference that I'll say I notice is when I'm flying and I go to idle. With a direct drive unit, you feel that the motor is still running. When you have a clutched unit and you go to idle, you can get the sensation that the motor gave up on you at idle. And then you tap the throttle and everything comes back to life and it's idling fine. But because there's absolutely no load, you can get the sensation that the motor doesn't run. Especially if you have like a top 80 or an Atom 80, something that's a smaller motor. The small motors are quiet and you don't hear them over the hearing protection. So you have no idea if the motor quit or not. The only way you know is by grabbing some throttle and if it revs up, it's still good. All right. My next question is, um, when it comes to transportation and travel, how long does it usually take to, you know, set everything up? Like if you you want to be somewhere and you want to be up in the air, just let's just say for a, a sunrise, you know, how much time do you really need for setting up and getting ready to get in the air? I give myself 30 minutes. That's 15 minutes to observe and then 15 minutes to set out my gear and go flying. Are you talking about actually packing up everything onto your vehicle to take off? I mean, to, to get to a, a, an LZ or what exactly, what time are you talking about? So you've got everything packed up, ready to go. And you just right, arrived at the LZ and you're getting everything unpacked, getting ready to go. Uh, I would say yeah, you need more than 30 definitely minutes. Definitely what, what Kevin is, is talking about, at least 30 minutes. You want to get there 30 minutes before you fly. Uh, because you want to be able to to put your um, your 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 window meter out there, and you want to check to see what the treetops are doing. If the wind is staying constant, if it's uh, switchy, 
um, if it's staying laminar and, or going in one direction, because if it's going, if it's going in one direction, then turning around to, you know, 180 degrees, you probably don't want to fly anytime soon. How we try to get up quick. We my internet sucks right now. Yep, my internet sucks. I should have reset. We went to the this Wi-Fi. little bit of water. That uh, that all depends on where you're flying out of too. But I think that the more time you get to look at it, the better. So. It depends on your area, with, with how long you've been flying out of it as well. The uh, the compound that I fly out of, the winds change directions constantly. You could show up um, 30 minutes before the sun comes up and uh, have the wind change six different times. It just depends. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point that I was going to make about the morning. If you fly early in the morning – because it's generally really calm in the morning, you want to have at least 15 minutes or more of what I call observation time. Okay. So you want to get to the field, set out your windsock first thing, and before you even unpack your motor or unpack your wing, you do what I call a mental reset because we have what we call get there itis. We're all excited to go fly. Sometimes you hit a red light and you're just like, come on, come on, I want to go. Why, why, why? There's not even anyone here. And, and you just you get that anxiety built up. When you set out the windsock and you give yourself that 15, 20 minutes, especially when there's other pilots around, you discuss basically anything and everything that's not going flying. You discuss the kids, the wife's cooking last night, the, the, the smoke, the, the, the brisket you did, what, whatever it is. And you just mentally reset your brain to start over. And in that 15 minutes of, of chatter time, you just keep your eye on the windsock. And if it lays dead limp the whole time, you just pick your direction, lay out your wing and go fly. If the wind is generally coming from one direction, but kind of switches every now and then, you're going to want to lay your wing out in the direction that it most often comes from. But then you have to then exercise patience because even a one-mile-an-hour tailwind is enough to make a launch difficult. So you Pen, I'll blow some vape, and I just kind of watch the way, and then that will tell me what to actually go in the direction for. All right. So, so for me and my LZ, which is the compound, I get there in the morning. I'm always nine out of ten times the first one there. I set my, my uh, windsock up. And because I live in Florida, we got 4,000 billion mosquitoes that are just wearing a wing out, a cold to that. And then 
if the wind changes direction in the morning, I don't move my wing. I wait. I'm already hooked in, everything ready to go, and I just wait because I know it's going to come back the other way. Okay. And as soon as as soon as the wind changes back into the direction that I'm facing, I take off. I've never had an issue with it. Not saying it's right. I'm just saying this is how I do it. I have not had any issues doing it. Um, I've watched guys come out there and change their, their setup six times to end up back where they were and then still have a failed launch because the winds are so shifty out of the compound. And it just, it's just weird out there. There's, it's very flat, but then you have a couple of trees that change everything out there for whatever reason. I don't know why there's a couple of trees, uh, sets of trees out there that will can make your day or break your day easily. And for like people that are, trying to get into the sport you know i was trying to find good apps to use like windy and things like Mm -hmm. that what um what would y'all recommend be some good apps to start preparing yourself learning how to read the weather and everything so here's here's the really really easy 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 way to do it most cell phones come with the weather channel app yep and you can download windy what you do is you look at windy and windy will give you elevations. You can look at surface 300 meters, 900 meters. So all the way up to 14,000, 15,000 feet. What you want to be looking at is that both of them, the two web, the two apps are agreeing with each other. Basically, if you look at the weather channel app and it says that the morning is supposed to be five miles an hour worth of wind. And then you look at windy and windy says it's going to be 11 it's questionable because you don't know if it'll be five or 11 or anywhere in between. If you look at the weather channel app and you look at windy and they both say it's going to be seven from the West, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be seven from the West. It's, it's not about trusting one or the other. It's about using more than one to compare the data to see that the data agrees with itself. Cause I use four flight, which is a paid aviation app. Then I use Windy, and I use NOAA, and I use the NOAA satellite imagery for clouds. And I look at the MM5, which the MM5 is a funky little table that comes out of Washington State University. And what that does is that tells you what the constant rate of temperature is for climb. So if you can read the MM5, what that tells you is your standard lapse rate for temperature. And that tells you how the thermals are going to build for the day. So it shows you basically it's two lines. And if the two lines stay together, that means that it's going to be standard lapse rate. So that's three degrees for every thousand feet you go up. The temperature is going to drop three degrees. When those lines start to deviate, that's when you start seeing a more than three degrees per thousand feet. So as it gets colder in elevation, everything is driven by temperature. The clouds, the wind, everything is driven by the earth heating up and the earth cooling down. So when you lower than three degrees per thousand feet, not warmer, that hot air is going to go farther up and take you to, say, 5,000 based on what the MM5 says. So if the MM5 says that at 2 o'clock we're going to see that temperature divide, then I know that the thermals won't build that day 
until about two o'clock. And that's when the day is going to get what we call big. So if you get into a big thermal, the safety is to just stay in it, core it, and climb it. We don't fly that way with paramotors because we just try to avoid that type of weather. But knowing what time of day to expect what weather is the best way to go about it. The more information, the more knowledge you have, the better prepared you can be to make better decisions. So like, for instance, Shane did a, a poker run. They took off and went cross country. I'm going to call it 25 miles. They landed, refueled, got their poker chips. And then on the way back, the weather changed and it forced them to land in between their two destinations. It wasn't necessarily anyone's fault that they did that because everyone agreed that the weather was marginal and they all went and attempted to have the flight anyway. It's okay when you understand the weather and you anticipate maybe landing in the middle or having a forced landing. What you don't want is to think that my day is going to be golden and then find yourself in that situation. That's when it becomes scary. That's what becomes problematic. The way I look at it is if you can do barrel rolls and sats and spirals and helicos and all the other cool tricks on the planet, that doesn't make you a good pilot. That just makes you cool at flying. A good pilot is someone that makes good choices. And good choices are always derived by information, not by feelings. Your feelings help you guide the information, but the information, having the information base is what you should be relying on to remain safe. Um, another question. Do y'all recommend just yes. for more... <laughs> Just for more expense-wise, do y'all recommend parachute or reserves or not reserves? Always a reserve if you can afford it. Okay. There's no hey. reason not to have a second chance if you can afford a second chance. If you can afford a third chance, you can even hang a third chance on your paramotor. A lot of harnesses have a zip-in pocket on the side where you can actually get the manufacturer's container that makes the harness and the reserve all one system. And then you can secondarily get a lap mounted reserve. And so if you were to get into trouble, you could throw the lap mounted reserve as a primary. And then if the lap mounted reserve got tangled up in your main wing or something malfunctioned and it wasn't working out like you wanted it to, then you can reach down and throw a second reserve. And acro pilots generally as a standard rule of thumb fly with at least two reserves. So I'd say on mine, on mine, I have a spot for three. I can wear a front mount. I got one under my butt from the manufacturer and one on the side from the manufacturer. So yeah. I fly with one, but I have a spot for three of them if I if I really wanted to go crazy. So, okay, I have I have I have a really I have a really good point to make. Um, all jokes aside, um, Shane, you have a life insurance policy. Yes. <laughs> Yes, no, he no. does. No, no. We need to double do it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. You need to make sure you get a specific rider for him flying. They do there not you go. cover you for flying. Yeah. Okay. So let me explain something to you. I have really good life insurance with my with my work. Hold on, Don. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you. I don't real care. Quick. I'd rather have him than money. Okay. I I concur. So would my wife. 
I, I mean, not necessarily well, him, but that. I mean, probably me. But today, give it six <laughs> more months. That might change. Yeah. You might want like, you don't need the helmet. Go on, yeah. go on. So he's gonna be no. he's gonna be out in the garage filing his lines. Right. So that way no, I wouldn't do that. All right. So all jokes aside, I'm being serious about this. This was brought up to me a couple months ago, and I've been um, very adamant about it um, on making sure that people understand that your regular life insurance policy does not cover and unless you pay for a fair ticket price, which means an airplane ticket. Um, if, if you decide to go jump out of an airplane, your life insurance policy does not cover you. If you decide to go paramotoring and crash and die, your life insurance policy that you've been paying on for however long does not cover you. Nope. But if you get a specific, like Kevin was saying, which is the AP, what is it, Kevin? AOPA. They they have a, uh, I pay. What, is, what does that stand for? Airplane Owners and Pilots Association. Oh, okay. So, Don, check this out. For two hundred dollars a year, I pay. I get. Well, my wife gets one hundred and twenty-five thousand, which doesn't sound like a lot, which would pay off our debts. Okay. Right. Um, it's 200, I think I paid 230 for the year. I'm 40, I'm fixing to be 46 years He's old. He's like super young, so. Right. And he will that matter? No, he probably will pay less. Were you hanging out at the high school again? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, see. But, <laughs> I was at my friend's house, actually, and he walked in. <laughs> yes, I'm older, it happened. With my Anyways. son's friend. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Anyways, He's long story short. Okay. So. Well, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, yeah. Understand that your or his regular <laughs> life insurance policy does not cover him. I yeah. flew for six months, seven months, and then I found this out, and it, yeah. my insurance policy for this. Um, extra life insurance policy that I got did not cover me until the end of the month. So I literally, Linda. Linda. Oh, my phone's going dead. Sorry. Let me put go it back go, on. Go over and plug it in. Join Shane. Well, it's not plug in. It's a Wi Fi. I mean, it's a wireless. So I have to hold it there. So, anyways, make sure you get him covered, um, which will cover okay. you of anything. And again, none of us want. Right. Um, my dad died at 20, so I totally get – I was 20 right. years old. My dad died at 50, so, you know, mm. stuff happens. So I died at so 20, also, but they brought me back. Oh, wow. Well, Kevin, can you also explain to me some of this uh, insurance as far as, like, uh, Medivac and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I, I remember yeah, I know about that. I work for Dr. So, Dr. Collier. It's a lot better than that. The big one that most people overlook, and it's actually really affordable, is mm. – life flight insurance right yeah that's what i was talking about you can yeah. you can get life flight insurance for somewhere around like a hundred to two hundred dollars for the year for yeah which which you know it, it might be a quote waste of 200 bucks but i can tell you from personal experience because i shattered my femur and had to be life flighted it was a four hundred thousand dollar helicopter ride mm-hmm and my insurance company paid for everything less than $15 copay. So it's really, really pays for itself. The one and only ever time if you ever have to use it. Is that the same as the, uh, 
Is that the same as like the rescue insurance through spot? No, that's totally different. That's, that's a spot's own thing. Okay. I was, I know my instructor, Britton, uh, he was, he was in the Alps. I think he was just over the Matterhorn and uh, had like a two day hike out, had a rock slide, got caught on a ledge, hit his button within 45 minutes, had a helicopter come down get him. They actually went back and got his gear. He left his gear, you know, a cross country mm -hmm. gear weighs 90 pounds, harness and everything. Oh and, yeah. Uh, that would have been extremely expensive if he didn't have that insurance. And I think he said he had to buy additional insurance because he was out of state or out of, out of the country. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about um, flotation as well for a new pilot. Yes. Um, I fly with reserve. I fly with flotation. I fly with extra insurance. So, Shane, you can read all those books all you want, but safety first, my friends, safety first. Insurance, um, a reserve, and flotation. What, uh, what flotation do you suggest? Um. Double D smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only one that caught that. <laughs> I, 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 I try to continue the conversation in the right direction. What do I have on my wing? I mean, on my motor. What is it? It's it looks like you're reaching into a dog nose. It looks like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like <laughs> you're shoving your hand up a dog nose right now. <sighs> <laughs> I got my wife's phone and she's got no good like flying videos of me or pictures so I got to use my buddy Jack and no but it was asked in the chat like about reserves and how often you should get a repack on a reserve the manufacturer recommends every six months and if you look at videos you'll see that a fresh repack reserve will open up much faster than a long stored reserve does but the regular rule of thumb that I like to go by is if you don't have the ability with somebody around you or nearby to do repacks, you should probably send your reserve with your wing when you do your annual inspection and then just pay. I think it's like 40 bucks. It's really not that big a deal. And you just pay 40 bucks. They drag the reserve out and then they repack it and it's no problem. Okay, so on on reserves real quick, do we need to do like on the wing, do we need to get new or can we get repacked wings? I mean, what's your suggestion on that? As long as the reserve is, is still within its service window, because they do have age dates on them, as long as the reserve's within its service window and it's the right capacity for you, then it's not a problem. If okay. you get a used one, again, it's one of those, it may be worthwhile to just spend 45 bucks send it over to cloud nine or to Shannon at four winds or somebody that knows, you know, how to do the stop sending private messages. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So you can once a year, get it, get it inspected. Or if you buy a used one, you send it in pay like, just like a, with buying a used wing, you spend the 45 bucks, send it in, have them do a repack. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything wrong with it, then you'll know right away. And it's much better to have, you know, a $300 or, or $400 go to the mailbox than it is to think that you're safe and you spent good money and then throw that bitch out your head and have it turn out to be a ball of crap out there that's not going to actually help you. All right. So hey, guys, I, I got to cut out early tonight, man. Uh, Shane, it was, it was really nice to um, 
hear your story, man. And one other Brian's thing I would gonna add bail. Is, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you gotta bail. You're, you're talking about different apps that you would use. You'll fly. One thing I do every time I fly is I release a helium balloon. And because uh, a lot of times, you know, what's going on in the ground, the windsock won't be moving. And, you know, you let that balloon go up. It goes up 50 feet, looks good, goes up 100 feet. All of a sudden, boom, it starts moving one direction or another. You know, you got some something going on up there. But you know, I'll watch a balloon go up 500 feet usually before I take off. And, uh, you know, anyway, so anyway okay. just another little safety thing to do. There's, there's a lot of different things you can do. But I wish you the best of luck. And I hope that uh, – to see your video soon and successfully in the air, brother. Well, thank you. It was really nice meeting you. Brian, right, Brian, Brian's got to run. <laughs> yeah, hey, I got to bail. He's got to bail. Now, Shane, we also live. Yep, see, buddy. We also live in the state of Arkansas, so I'd highly recommend a steerable reserve Dude, unless you just really want to end up in a tree. It'd be, okay. be no. nice to be able to direct where you go. So that's that's one of the things that I'll adamantly tell you that that's not correct. When you come down on a reserve, you want to aim for the trees. You, you don't want to aim for a clear open field. If you have trees around you, you want to aim for the trees. If you have a flareable reserve that's steerable, you you want to be able to find that landing spot, flare, and you can tap tap. What do you mean no? Why why are you saying no? In paragliding, a steerable reserve is a good thing. In paramotoring, a steerable reserve is terrible and absolutely not suggested. If you're going to be under reserve, your main number one focus is to disable your wing, not to be driving or flying your reserve. This is why we have an instructor on the podcast. If you have Mm -hmm. a steerable reserve, your mind frame is that you want to take control of things, which means you're going to negate controlling your wing and you're going to want to control the reserve that's going to put you into a situation of downplaning which will get you more hurt than if you didn't actually throw the reserve what you want is a round reserve you want to aim for the bushes because the reserve works like velcro and will slow and arrest your descent how do you aim a non-steerable reserve weight shift you can steer around reserve I was. Shift I, I on, pulled a, re, uh, a round reserve, and that didn't steer nothing. You can pull lines. You can reach up and pull lines on one side, which collapses part of the reserve, which allows air to spill out one half. You, you can steer around reserve. You I, I, I guess you can. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why do you want the reserves reserve to come down faster? I mean, if anything, you want it to come down slower, not – Oh, no, no. It's not about that. it's not about speed. You're you're misunderstanding. When I'm when I'm pulling a line, I'm changing the shape. It's a circle. I'm changing the shape of the circle. By changing the shape, it's gonna allow air to spill out. It's not that I'm going faster. Air spilling out one side. It works like a hot air balloon. It's the same way a hot air balloon turns. You allow the air to spill. It moves the, the, the reserve in a general direction. When I say steerable, it's a really gross understanding. It's not like you have the ability to say, well, I want to go left over there. If you want to aim for the trees versus the rocks, you can pull on one side and it will somewhat direct you into a direction. But it's not the definition of steerable. You don't really have control. You have a 
mild ability to go in a general direction. Sean, quick question for you. When yes. you went to the when you went to uh, the SIV, did you use your reserve or, or their reserve? I, I used their reserve. It was a round reserve. Okay, and um, let me tell you, there was no steering that. Matter of fact, think about it. I understand what Kevin is saying. You know, you want, you want to get your original line, your original glider in a stall ball. And a stall ball is when you start pulling in, you pull your brakes, and it's this big old ball that just floats. You want to bring mm -hmm. that in. And mm -hmm. while you're doing that, you're right. You don't want to try to go up and try to steer a reserve. I understand what Kevin's saying. However, once I get that stall ball in far enough and I'm able to hold on to it with my feet or put it between my knees or something, I want to reach up here and now steer this thing someplace where I can flare down and not hit hard. So the one thing that I don't think that you're accounting is when you throw a reserve in an SIV, it's in a, quote, controlled environment. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. doing it on purpose, over water, with someone in your ear, and a towboat to recover you. If you have to throw a reserve in a real-life scenario, your sensory overload kicks in, and you don't have the ability to work through all those steps. That's why we do SRV. Somebody's making a lot of noise. Having an instructor in your ear is paramount when you're putting something like that. That's that's why we when we come out of SIV, we feel like superheroes because we've done so much that we would never attempt on our own. And there's a reason why is because we don't have someone with the encouragement and the wisdom to tell us that it's okay. I think okay. one of my fears without having a steerable reserve was mainly for one trees. But if I can understand what you're saying, trees are softer than ground and reserves don't come down extremely slow especially you add motor weight to it but my fear is coming down under reserve and there's water underneath me and i can steer away from from water you know that 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 scares me to death to have lines going everywhere and if not being able to get away from water well if you're on a reserve and you have time you can start mm -hmm. to unbuckle yourself and get yourself prepared to escape the paramotor. That's the one nice thing about a round reserve. If you have altitude is you're still sitting in your seat. You can get everything undone except for your leg straps. And then when you hit the water, you just swim out. You don't try to unbuckle them. You just swim out of the leg straps. And when you swim out, you go up and above the paramotor, which generally pushes you away from the wing. It helps to keep you from getting tangled. Sean and I were actually Sean and I were actually <laughs> talking about this the other day, just the two of us. We were talking about having a water safety course where you could actually do like an SIV, but where you intentionally enter the water and then know what it feels like to come out of the harness, whether you can get unclipped or you know, it, it, you, you can't ever establish a real world scenario, but with one or two divers mm -hmm. in a pool you could actually get like a, an understanding of how easy or difficult it may be, which can help mentally prepare you for something like that. So I've personally never gone into water. I don't want to. And everything I've ever been told is water is the devil, but I'd have known people that have gone into water that have come out of it just fine. It was just an expensive day. So here's my thing. I watched a video. I don't remember what it's called now, but there was a guy that actually did this. He took his motor off his frame 
and he put a concrete block on the that back of the frame. Senior Tom he just, Kubat. He just jumped, he jumped in. in the pool. Yeah. Is that, is that Tom Kubat? That's Tom Kubat's videos. He did a series of those, and they were a good series. It shows you real for, for real uh, understanding of why the frame, or not the frame, but the harness that's on the Dominator, or Dominator, the flat top, and the Angel, the reason why it's such a good idea to be able to have a single point release because if you go into the water one single point and you're done you're out of the harness there's nothing keeping you there anymore with a standard harness like a dudek or an apco or whatever you've got one for each leg one across your waist and then one at your chest that's a lot to get undone when you're upside down and didn't get a good breath to start with and it's interesting that you said that too because um i turtled on, on one when i went back i just pulled that quick release and I got back up. I can't imagine trying to unbuckle three or four different things um, in the water, you know. So interesting, interesting topics. Uh, I'm really glad that we talked about this stuff. It is 8:49. We are still in the after show or the uh, after party. Um, we, I know, right? It's like we just kind of blended from the show. Hey, there's Shane and his now wife. Now we're in the after party. Like my dogs are like crashed. And I totally apologize for their, I don't know. Oh, it's dogs. I don't have anybody here that can just like stash the dog somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And I can't put them outside because it's like 115 out there. Did I freeze? Who freeze? I throw all their stuff out there and they still, you know. Dogs will be dogs. No big deal. A couple more quick questions. Yeah, I could talk about this all night. Um, a couple more quick questions, though. Do y'all recommend, Sean, I mean, do you recommend before a first flight maybe getting an SID course in or, you know, what's your, what's your opinions on SID courses? How much do they cost? You know, where – when you go to get some SI so standard SIVs are generally like fun. I think it's best for students to go take finishing training. Solidify your faith in the wing. There's a lot of people that get up there and they start talking about bump tolerance and not being comfortable and having wonky air. After, here, here. You've, gone, after you've gone through an SIV and you've literally made half of the wing disappear and you realize that it still works. It still holds you up in the sky and you're going down, but you're not falling. And then when you let go of the line that you intentionally pulled, it makes this big loud shotgun boom sound because everything slams back open and goes back to working. And you can do it on the left and you can do it on the right and you can grab both of them and pull the whole front of it down and everything goes boom, boom. And, it all just wants to work. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway is that, you know, we come to find that the wing really does want to work. We have a misconception that collapses are bad. They're only bad if they're mistreated. If your wing collapses, it's just telling you something. It's telling you that you're either not holding enough pressure or that the air is the type of air you don't want to be in, whether that means you're in rotor behind trees or behind a mountain you're on the lee side of a hill. It's, it's what we call feedback. The glider is telling you that something is going on 
that is putting you in a position where you're not doing something right or you're in a position that you shouldn't be in as far as location. And the easy way to solve most of it is to climb. We get out more altitude. More altitude gives you more time to sort things out. And the higher up you go, gives you the ability for your reserve to work. It gives you time to be able to look up at things and scan and figure out what's going on and what doesn't feel right. If you're low to the ground, you don't have much time to do any fixing. And I, and I truly believe after doing the SIV course and henceforth uh, doing all sorts of different um, acro, I suppose you could call it. Maneuvers. The, yeah, maneuvers. There you go. Maneuvers. 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 Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate that. Yes, maneuvers. Doing maneuvers after the SIV course, uh, I can tell that the pre-SIV, I was complete newbie. I mean, six months. I mean, I, I barely touched the trims. I went to the SIV course, and it felt like I learned another six months worth of stuff in two days. Um, I think that you would be very wise to uh, go through training and then do a lot of climbing, looking around, because that's what's beautiful, coming down and doing nice landing, setting back up, go and taking off again, and doing that for, for, for many, many hours before you even think about doing SIV course. Because even with all the time that I've had, six months worth of flying, it scared the crap out of me when I went beyond my comfort zone doing a, uh, a spiral or trying to pull um, uh, a collapse. And now that I've gone through so much more over the last 10 months, this next SIV course in two weeks, Shane, is that right? Shane, Shane, uh, skinny Shane, two weeks, we're going to be going to a, um, I, I'm, I was muted. Sorry. All right. August 22nd, August 23rd. Yeah. So I'm going to just be doing the one day on August 22nd. Shane's going to be and, there for two days. And 23rd. He just doesn't know yet. <clears throat> can't, can't, afford that, can't afford that with my new wing. Can't afford that. With Listen, my, new wing. my buddy just tore his wing um, on takeoff. So, no, he, he's not, he's not going now. So I got, I told Fuller, I was bringing three or two guys plus myself. Now I'm bringing myself plus PPG grandpa on one day. I'm, I'm not really, I feel like a fool. <laughs> Shane, but, um, what are you doing in a couple of weeks? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, Shane. So me and, me and, uh, Sean have uh, went to school and finished school and started flying at the same time, just different schools. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not much of an acro guy uh, or, or even wing overs. I love to fly low, um, which is probably the most dumbest thing you can do because if you have any issues, you have no time to recover. Right. Um, I've, almost got ran over by a deer one day that's how low i was <laughs> that's a true story you know you know if uh, uh, i got ran over by a, a deer it'd be uh, grandpa got run over by a reindeer so yeah. <laughs> hey guys hey. i gotta take hey, a grandpa. hold on i gotta take a quick minute i gotta point out that your dankies offered us a twenty dollars in the super chat thank you very much your dankies oh, for that goodness. appreciate it thank you. oh sweet that was nice. Yes, it wasn't Linda. <laughs> <laughs> it's been rough.
Goins on the show tonight for me. No, nah, Shane, in the, in, the, in the eye of safety, you've got two places that are safe, below 10 feet and above 1,000. If you're below okay. 10 feet, a fall from 10 feet or less, you could probably survive. You might be banged up, but it'll, it'll, it's something you could live through. Right. If you're above 1,000 feet, your reserve will work or you have time to pump out a collapse. So, in that middle area is what we call the red zone, and you basically want to be transitioning up or transitioning down through that area. And that's, okay. that, that's what will keep you safe. Okay. Sorry to jump back and forth. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Shane. no, no worries. Keep going, bud. All right. So sorry to jump back and forth here. But um, would, um, would you suggest that a newbie – who's not ever been in the air before, would you suggest them getting, you know, a cheaper paramotor that's well-built, maybe a little bit heavier, and can withstand a couple, you know, butt landings or a couple drags? I mean, would you recommend that, or would you recommend, you know, going out and getting something that you really want at the very beginning, and how do y'all view that? Same, same answer I gave you the other day when you asked in the private chat about you use motors as long as the company you're ordering or buying from still supports the motor and still supports the frame then it's not that big a deal because you can always get replacement hoop parts you can always get replacement frame parts you can always get another prop that's generally the the going to be the worst of it a butt landing doesn't normally tear up your motor bad enough where you need to buy parts and need to replace things if you land with your motor on and have a butt landing, you might be replacing a cage piece and a prop. That's why as beginners, we always turn the motor off at 100 feet, establish glide, flare and land. If you butt land, the prop's not under power, which means it might just bang and you'll have a little bit of a tip repair, which is not that big of a deal. Or, or, get an angel or, motor, right? or you can fly my angel and not worry about it because if you break it, uh, Andrew Fuller, SkyTap Angel Paramotor, they send you free pieces out. Or yeah, I agree you, with the I agree with that. <laughs> or or you go to Four Winds PPG and not worry about butt landing or hitting a cage and land properly every time. Over two hundred, and I'm not bragging. This is actual true stuff. I've got over two hundred takeoff and landings. Um, I think three. Uh, times I've landed on one knee, um, whether slip and fall in the wet grass early morning um, or come in slightly downwind. Like I said, the wind direction is a little funny where, I, where I'm from. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't damaged any equipment. I haven't uh, broke anything. And I think I've done very well. And he, I, did, I, he did rear-end an RV. Yes. <laughs> I did not. I the RV was cold. I put the, the the little bit of my wing over the corner of the camper. It was all good. Dude, I heard they had to total that RV out after you. <laughs> oh, here we go. It was in bad in, shape, man. The people inside got whiplash. I had 200 oh. takeoffs and landings. They were all a success, and they were wiped out in one failed swoop of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, I've had over 32 – or actually 31 launches at 
class before I had to reset up. I had to abort a launch and reset up. After I've had less than five. I've had less than five and over 200 flights that I have had failed launches. I don't think that's too bad. No, that's not bad at all. Um, so let's go back to the actual motors on a pair of motor. Um, what do y'all suggest, newbie pilots? Um, do you suggest starting on something that's a little bit smaller and slower, or do you suggest getting, you know, the motor that's going to get you where you want to go? Further down the line, I mean, what do y'all think about that? For the amount of the investment that this hobby is, it's best to buy once and cry once than it is to buy twice and cry once for it. There's service for it. There's customer support for it. There's even a warranty if you buy one brand new. So that will save you in the long run versus spending a lot of nickels and dimes, which will equate to 12,000 instead of six. If you would have just done it, what we call the right way the first time. Gotcha. And Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also talking about speed and stuff. You're only affecting your climb rate with, with how big power the motor is. Right. Yeah, you're you're not going to go faster with a 185. You're just going to climb faster with a 185. Right. So if you're taking off in a field that doesn't have as much room, you know you've got that power before that, you know, barbed wire fence. Whereas in Adam 80, you're like, this is cutting it close. My, your climb rate's what's going to change. And, and well, Kevin, I've been, Kevin can uh, – I've been recently flying a top 80, and I can tell you it has the climb rate of uh, free flight at best. Like, it's – I, it's enough to get me off the ground and run me around, but I, I have to consciously think about tree lines and power lines because I do not have the power One and to emergency get away from stuff. When I'm flying my Moster, if I want to go up 200 feet, it's three seconds of a wide open squeeze and I'm up above trees or power lines or anything I want. So I think in the eye of safety, it's better for you to have I'm so sorry about this because you have what I call oh shit power yeah and and that was my first bike in six months. I was pissed off. I bought it because now I got to buy a 600. So I would definitely recommend getting what you want off the bat if it costs a little more. But yeah, just do yourself a favor, Tommy, and get a leader bike and just get it over with. I, I did. I was, uh, that's what I told him. I said, you oh. know, once I, once, once I got the 600, I maxed it out and then went and got a, I got a Z1000 that I've pretty much made a super moto. That's my thing now. I go. just like, I just like to say to the to the guest Shane, um, Dawn. I think she loves you. She she kind of uh, she's sticking up for you and, and making sure you're going in the right direction. You uh, you're lucky. Yeah, we do everything together. 
we do this thing where we do this thing where we call nerding out where we do so much research before we pretty much do anything so it's that's the best way to do anything all right when i'm doing this my wife cannot be playing netflix because i'm not getting a good no me when i went to school I, i got all i got all new equipment um only because i'm not mechanically inclined and i'd hope for to have <laughs> as much time as i could before i have to start working on the uh, motor which is almost instantly i think 16 hours i had a kill switch that quit working um you got me and, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry i'm i love my <laughs> Sorry. Oh, got my see. personal mechanic <laughs> wife right here that will take care of me. I promise. I'm not Man. a female. I like my sweet tea and I like motors. So, <laughs> have you tried to Seagram sweet tea vodka? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> for a friend. Um, hold on. So, have you tried Seagram sweet tea vodka? It's really good. You mix. I think Mama K had that. I'm just a sweet tea kind of gal. I don't like anything but sugar in my sweet tea. I don't That's even what, get dark. It looks like whiskey, probably. Do you make your sweet tea with simple syrup, or do you make your sweet tea with sugar and water? Sugar and water. I'm allergic to most every artificial sugar there is. So. Well, you're you're doing it wrong. You got to put you got to put the sugar in, you got to put the sugar in the water first, then boil. Do you hear? It. Do you hear her voice? Yeah. Your sweet tea will be much better. You will. No, I actually put it on the stove. I put the water. I have a water filter on our water. And then I bring, I put the tea bags in the water and I bring well, it back to a boil and then I don't let it boil because then it makes it bitter. So, mm-hmm. do, yeah, you, so is that do you hear her voice, tea? Kevin? She's from Arkansas, man. She knows how to make some sweet tea. I yeah. do. <laughs> I hate it when I have meetings like up north. About sweet tea. That's not far enough south. I so, hold up. South, hold on. We make real so, sweet tea out oh, of simple No, no. no. Okay. I, I'm from he, Florida. It don't get much south. It doesn't get much more south than that. So, do you Florida is the lip- epitome of every Lipton. Florida man Absolutely. joke. Don't try to like tell me Florida is south. We hold on, hold on now. So you're just part when, of Cuba. Knock it off. Go have a Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like papayas. <laughs> Lipton, Lipton sweet tea. Yes, so sweet. so twelve tea bags per gallon. No. <laughs> Two. 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 Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're the big bags, though. Yeah, they're not the not, not the you know the little bitty tea bags would be. I think it was six, but I don't hardly ever get those anymore. Yeah, sweet tea is like I've been addicted to it for I don't know eighteen years. So that's telling my age. Whoops. <laughs> so. She's so eighteen she, years old, guys. She let us know. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, my son's eighteen. I would, no, I don't want to be eighteen again. But no. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, yes, he's younger than me. It'll be fine. Twenty-four. We'll go back to twenty-four. Twenty-four was fun. Mm. Ooh. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've got an eighteen-year-old and a fifteen-year-old, and eighteen-year-old, uh, or actually, I was nineteen when I met 19, my wife. November. So. 
I was well, 19 and my wife was 18 when I, we met. And now we're 45 and almost 46. Yeah, I'm not telling Good you. Good Lord. Good Lord. She's like, I ain't saying nothing. <gasps> I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying nothing. <laughs> Mine are 11, 7, 3, and 1 on the way. All good. Jesus. Congratulations. Kevin has slow swimmers. Kevin has slow swimmers. (laughs) (laughs) We met after I already raised the kids pretty much. That's the best kind. Well, yeah. I had boys, so. That's even the better kind. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I've been their soccer coach. Yeah, it's been awesome. That's right. I've been my daughter's cheerleading coach. So. I said soccer. I meant basketball. Sorry. You know the nice, thing about, having, the nice thing about daughters, though, is when I beat up their boyfriends and send them out, I don't have to then still see them. They're not going to be in my house. My daughter will still be in my house. So that's well, all right. I'll just I'm knock, knock them around something. and send them out. Now, the biggest breakup of my life is when my 18-year-old, well, he was 17 when they met, but when he moved out, girls changed everything. She mm. totally took my son away. But she's coming over here in a minute. He called me like five times, so I was worried. But he's coming over to make silly things. So. Oh, good. So is he going to start flying? Probably not. I'm trying, Alex, I'm trying to get everybody Alex, flying. Alex probably did. Alex probably did. But I, I don't They're probably JP. watching this video already, so they already know what's going on in the house before they get here. <laughs> Guys, you're so cute together. They are adorable. I love it. If I drink all that tea all day like that or whatever, I I wouldn't sleep. Okay. Oh, coffee, like drink crazy, it. But tea, I would be awake like for 75 days. Well, if I didn't drink it all the time, it'd probably be like that. But And I don't drink it strong at all. I mean, you can literally see through it. See, so what we're really yeah. trying to do is get a sponsorship. From Lipton. Oh, I, he's always thinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shout out Lipton Tea Company. I don't know how many tea bags it equals the little ones to two big ones that you guys use, but we use twelve per gallon of the little ones. Oh, oh yeah, that two, oh, you, you gotta get the big family and the, ones. Summertime. And then the, and then it's two and a half cups of sugar per gallon. What? No, I use a cup and a little bit. A cup and. Oh. A, Cup and a fourth. Well, yeah, I've fun. gained weight. It's sucky. I used to be so much smaller in my twenties. Oh, so didn't we all? And I'm <laughs> what do you mean you didn't have damn body your twenties? Oh, I know my husband's in his twenties. <laughs> I can't so continue. Old, Look at you, John. You're so old. Oh, my God. No, I'm in my thirties. <laughs> I'm almost in my forties. Oh, You're whoa, in your thirties. Oh, whoa, whoa. Well, it's weird. Hey. If I continue the rate of increase of my gaining of weight, I was like, I'll have to. And then I found out sugar really doesn't make you gain weight. It's just empty calories. That makes me mad. Sugar makes you gain weight. No, actually. Oh, I'm a nerd. I'll nerd out on that with you here in a little while. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk about the insulin spike, okay? No, 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 no. Nope, you're wrong on there, too. Oh, Oh, man. Bam. Oh, man. I was about to say you need to you need to see Sean's Sean's YouTube channel. Trust me, he's went through all that. Has he? Well, I yeah. 
He got sick. Yeah, so he got sick. sick. So you were, and I was like sneaking chicken behind his back. And, you were like, uh-oh. once you got sick, you were like a salad shooter when you got the diarrhea. Did you know that diarrhea, diarrhea is hereditary? It runs in your genes. Oh, that's oh. hilarious. <laughs> oh, man, my stepdad gave me a... A joke, and I'm the worst joke teller. It was about Viagra. <laughs> Dang it! The Viagra spray. Oh, uh, what? What? <laughs> oh, Linda, 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 your dogs heard Viagra got cray cray. Yeah, I, I took a Viagra. It got stuck in my throat. I've had a stiff neck ever since. <laughs> oh yeah. It's not my dog. It's not my dog. Yeah, that, that was our dog. This Sorry about that. Oh oh. Oh, we oh, have an apology. Sorry, Linda. Sorry, Linda. That's, Sorry, the, Linda. The, alarm, that's the alarm letting them know that the rabbit food chef has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Look at that backdrop. Anybody who has a dog knows the minute a car pulls in the driveway, they're going to start barking nuts. I don't even be at the door. This is a fun show tonight. Well, my dog's being obnoxious. This is great having a newbie on. He's a. I know when I was a newbie, I had so many questions, and and it's oh, nice. Having, I can't believe that there's people sure. actually watching this show. Is there anybody who wants to come in on and chat? Yeah, I already asked him. In, I asked uh, uh, Sean Dor if he wants to come in, gave him the Zoom room, and Sean Dor, get your butt in here, dude. We actually have more viewers now than we did when we were doing the actual show. So if yeah, we stay on for five bit. hours, we might actually double our viewership again. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I, I, I do I do all jokes aside. I, I want to say to Shane, Don is super supportive, and I think that's awesome. My wife has also been very, very supportive. She's only made me one prompt and made me – swear to her that I would never do acro. And I also at the beginning of the show told you that I never lied to my wife up until I started flying. So with that <laughs> said, <laughs> you're not doing acro. Remember you're doing maneuvers. <laughs> she don't watch this. So I'm good. <laughs> Just remember about, it's maneuvers, not acro. About yeah. every, about every 18 minutes, she comes in and gets another beer. So I just got to, say maneuvers whenever she comes in that's what the siv course is all about being safe learning how to fly and make better maneuvers safer exactly. and okay. she's so, gonna think i she, go ahead don oh sorry no, no that's go ahead no well i need everybody's phone number because obviously i need to buy stuff yeah. Well, I mean, when it, whenever it's time for like his birthday and stuff, I already messed up on Father's Day and bought him a stunt kite, and I didn't realize that he was wanting a seventy-foot long kite or meter or whatever it is. But um, so yeah, I definitely so I can actually get. That's been the hardest thing for me to look and to look into this sport. I wish there was some kind of checklist that was like, okay, wives. 
if you want to make your husband happy and this is mm -hmm. what he needs, blah, 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 blah. There's nothing like that. You can watch 1,400 things, and by the time you don't know what is good, what's not, which now I have people I could call, but, you know, I don't in want all, to figure out my welcome. In all fairness, my wife tells me the only cheating I do on her is the in the background, this flying stuff. It's the only, it's yeah. the only mistress I have. I like her. What's her, what's your wife? Tell her I said, hi, my name's Dawn. We might need to be friends. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you we'll have to have a paramotor wife support group. Yeah, we probably do. That's the truth. <laughs> the kids. I mean, he took my kid to Oklahoma and he just said on here, yeah, I called him. I went to Oklahoma. It took him four days to finally tell me it was a miscommunication. He didn't know he was going to Oklahoma with my son across the state line. You know, if his dad found out, and I just found out today, like he knew he was going to Oklahoma. He finally said it. So it's I'm not sorry. kidnapping if you intend to return the person. Well, okay? I know that, but when you have a divorce degree, and people like that, the man, well, actually his wife, it's not even him. Yeah. Was not that's always the fun. That's always the fun one yeah. when somebody else has to have an opinion. Yeah. Of well, it's not him, but anyway. Yeah. My, my problem with my wife and, and, doing the paramotor thing is she's like you can tie a brake line that won't come undone but me in the bedroom here i am hands free <laughs> <laughs> you made me turn red <laughs> i've watched his video talking about a talking about a checklist you women can make some checklists too okay yeah i don't thank you, you sweet tea which you don't make anymore because he's got a girlfriend paramotor you know the thing though that the thing that's funny and, I, and I'll, I'll give it this when you go fly paramotors it's not as glorious as you think because there aren't really any women involved it's just a bunch of hairy faced dudes that you go meet right. up with there's no unicorns out there and if they're out there they're in like florida or something so, hello it's really, really <laughs> satisfactory to know that when you go out with a group of guys, even if it is in Oklahoma, it's still at least a group of guys, unless Shane's going to come. Yeah. What wasn't worth that. It was just the fact that he took my son over state lines, knowing the crap that she almost – I didn't meet her at 6 o'clock like she told me to, mind you, my kid, not hers, and she was going to do a report on me. That's how ridiculous they are. But, oh, I know about that one. But the lion I thing, I can one. totally see it. I can so see it. There's been steady lies on this sport. And, and, well, and then right behind that comes the allegations that you feed your kids drugs, and when that one doesn't work, then you started to beat them, and then when that one doesn't work, then it's that you started touching them inappropriately. It escalates. Well, uh, no. You're at the, they said you're my at the lower, son did. Yeah. You're at, the lower, you're at the lower phases. You haven't got to the crazy phases yet. Oh, no, no, no. We've already done that. It was um, – <laughs> That was like 10, no, no, five years ago, a year and a half long. They tried to say my older son had touched him. I mean, they threw everything. It was horrible. But now Alex is 15, and he hasn't been hey. over in a long while. So any, hey. in, any, any amount of emotional discord we can create, we will throw it out there. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, Don, hey, yeah. if, you get, if you get Shane a 70-meter wing, he will definitely go over across uh, state lines, and you probably won't see him again. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to say 70 meter. I just don't know how all that works. It looks 70 foot long, but I know everything's done in meters. So you, you I'm a 26, he said. 
He brings it up to the sod farm. We're going to think he's compensating for something. They're like, why do you have such a big wing, dude? I fly at 70 meter. Look how long my wing is. Brian's in the chat. He says, I thought this was a great sport to meet chicks. The problem is Brian's meeting them in the hospital. They're called nurses. That is true. <laughs> Waller, good night. Some of the nurses were men, so he didn't exactly meet chicks as planned. <laughs> no, things got a little stiff there. Oh boy, he was <laughs> he was drugged up. He probably didn't know the difference. <laughs> Where's he at? He left. Oh, did he? He had to bounce. He's, he's, in he's still in the tub. chat. He's in the hot tub. In the chat. In the hot tub. That's not fair. Well, you could. I want to go to the ocean. I keep well, Florida got a bunch of it. I know. I'm about to say if your if your man's about to buy a paramotor, that's 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 another thing. Any of the trips you wanted to take, you know, before I got my paramotor, it was just like eh, I don't care to go here. I don't care. Now it's opportunities to fly in different places. I want to go everywhere. I go. Okay, so um, long story short, we bought a camper five almost little little under five years ago. And we we camp at least once a month. Um, I say that funnily because we go like every other weekend. And it, it literally all my all my camping trips revolve around where I can and can't fly. If I can't fly at one campground, I will not go back there. I won't do it. I do want a camper. Glamping. Well, that, that's that's way less than a um, paramotor. Just so you know. <clears throat> I mean, I do know. I know. I'm not that expensive, so I don't even know. I can't even get anything in comparison. So it's sucky. I just want you to know that when you do start doing things like camping and and it all revolves around paramotor, everything, family trips. In January, we're going to Tennessee, and we got an Airbnb. I I picked the Airbnb that had a field in the backyard. Yeah. Well, that's already happened. He took a week vacation. Um, he slept almost all of it until it was time to go to class on that Friday, I think. And then, no, he went to Oklahoma. I don't remember. And then Saturday and Sunday, it was all, which I had fun because that's when I, I had fun on Saturday because I went with him to the sod farm. But And then it was kiting again Sunday and then he went back to work Monday. So, yeah. Oops. And then um, he had Thursday off last week. And if he's if he can kite, then he's awake. But if he can't kite, then he's asleep. That's because he's tired from kiting. It makes I, sense. Well, no, he works I nights. Him to uh, Florida to check out the SIV with us, Shane. But he said, with with Shane? No, I don't want to do Shane. He has to work. He can try to even trade things, <laughs> yeah, trade days I, or something. I tried to shift train, trains, but. Well, I mean, I'd be pushing for that because if the beach is anywhere, I want to go. Like I'll well, drive. Shane, you better you better change the shift because if not, Don's coming with us. <laughs> yeah, ha ha! I don't ever get to go anywhere. <laughs> I just let's, want to go to the beach. Let's see if I get a paramotor before then. Uh, I wonder how long that'll take me to fly down there. A little cross, cross country. Um, no, you're not. You can't even do it yet because Mr. Britton won't let you, and I won't. Because as long as he says you can't go, then I will throw a fit. I will be non-supportive. I have news for you, Shane. It's going to be hard to run with that paramotor on your back and Dawn hanging on your neck. <laughs> I ain't going up. You ain't going. 
ain't going. And ain't he ain't sending me nowhere. <laughs> nope. I fall too much. This is my first summer without cast on my wrist. I just had surgery on both my wrists in January. All I was doing was shopping in Sam's Sam's Club and they had a forklift on the the water. You know how they have water like in the aisleway? You can walk all the way around it. Well, I was walking up to the back side and they had a forklift on the other side and I didn't know it. And I grabbed two cases of water and they bumped me and I fell into the cart with both cases of water and had to have surgery. I'm, they both, both my wrists were broke. So I had to have they surgery. They ran you over with a forklift? How well, much money did you get out of that deal? None. I had to have an attorney. None. JP. So I'm in a court. I have to go trial date October or trial date is the end of the year. Dude, my neck and my back would be hurting after something like that. It hurts so bad. I'm not kidding. I've had so many surgeries and my, they took my, I, within what, 14 days or 13 days. Yeah, I had two surgeries. 13. They did this one and then was seven days later or three days. They took the stitches out three days later. I had this one. So they took the cast off and then it was horrible. Millions of people are watching this, and you are letting everyone know all of your private stuff. Oh, I don't care. Oh, okay, then I'm open uh, anyway. Hold on, JP. Hold on. JP, what's your what's your dog's name? Peekaboo. Peekaboo. Oh. Hold hold on. Now, why are you saying that? Can you say it puts the lotion on its skin or gets the hose again? The dog is licking his lips and face, and I guarantee you, five minutes ago, it was just licking its yes. own butt. Yeah, yes. that's why it tastes so good. Maltese. <laughs> I would yeah. show you Cooper, but he's cockeyed. He's thirteen. He's <laughs> cockeyed. His eye popped out. Don't let the dog get hit in the head. Their eye will pop out and run to you. It's oh God. Scary. And then a thousand dollars later, you'll have the eye back in, and it's like pointing that way. He's sniffing. Come here, Cooper. We'll show you, old man. He needs. He oh, I don't know if this. Show, we've seen an angle go sideways. We're not sure if we can handle this though. <laughs> this <laughs> this show has He's gone. He's like, I can't see. Oh, He's thirteen. He's got to go to the groomer. Oh no! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, she just got, came you. back from the groomer. <laughs> I dropped you, and here goes your other No, one. I didn't drop it. No. She's, very she, squeezed, she squeezed them a, too hard. The eyes popped I'm here. It was a gentle punt. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> and here's Murphy. Wow. Baxter. That's Murphy. He hates cameras. Murphy. What's up, dog? What up, dog? Anyway, that's what you <laughs> what, what up, dog? <laughs> 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 Shane is Shane is like I'm toast. I'm supposed to be learning about PPG and, and yeah. here I am Babe. looking at dogs. Babe, I didn't mean this way. Now I can't get him down. Oh, don't don't no 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 never mind. Don't hurt him that way. I got him. Uh oh. So so Shane, <laughs> when do you plan on flying? Yes. As soon as possible. <laughs> okay, so you've gone. You're going to school. You're doing school. What are we doing? Um, I'm getting. Where do you live? He's going to see Mr. Britton whenever he's. That in. was too many questions, you guys. One question at a he time. Lives, he lives just went into overload. He, he lives close he, to me. <laughs> he's training at the same uh, trainer that me and uh, Tommy 
and um, uh, Kyle O had gone to, okay. and uh, he wants to fly as soon as he can. Kyle O didn't get taught. Kyle O was always a god, wasn't he? I thought he came out of the womb. Fine. <laughs> no, he was Thor. He didn't come out of the womb. Dell was, was gifted by God. Kyle O was hatched from a. Okay, hatched. Okay, no, I asked. I, I'm asking Kyle's, this question. Kyle's part of the Kyle's part of the Grunion room. So as soon as I got done with school, we had a fly-in up at Swanee, up in North Florida, and I literally. Left. I t- went home, dropped all my gear off so I wouldn't fall for the pressure of going to a fly-in and feeling like I had to fly, which was probably the smartest thing I ever did, leaving all my gear at home. Because, uh, yeah, as Kevin was saying earlier about me uh, doing the uh, poker run, that was my actual first like thing, and I kind of had to abort takeoff during uh, the poker run because I was running towards the camper. And I wasn't gonna make. I was not gonna make the, the over the camper. Let's just say. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. We're oh gonna he's, he's gonna you got speaking of Dell. Speaking of Dell, can I share this real quick? Oh, uh, please do, please. I don't know what it is, but you seem way too excited. It's eighteen figure eights in a row. It's a world record. No one else could ever do a. <laughs> Who was your most influential? Uh, oh, here it is. Trainer. Yes. Most God. influential. God. Yeah. Who was the person that influenced you the most? I, God. There's, there's got to be one person that stands if you out. Want to hear if, if that's a right names. So, you know, obviously your instructor. If he's still in, if he's still instructing, and maybe a, a name. God. God, 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 God. So you, you trained at Point of the Mountain. Was Chris around? I trained at God. Sam so Croce? The skills that I have came from God. They are a gift from God. You do not learn what I know from the instructors that I trained with. Even though they're some of the best pilots in the world, you simply do not learn what I have. It was just a gift. It just doesn't happen that way. You can't go and train where I trained. And end up like me. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. <sighs> Dude, this is the greatest. Oh, and by the way, Shane, that's uh, Linda Anderson. She's uh, one of the co-hosts on here. That's her son. Um, not talking about God. Um, the guy that looks like he's like just witnessed something crazy. Hey, for clarity, <laughs> her son does talk about God. Yes, he's a preacher, but <laughs> that's a whole different. That's a whole different thing. Goodness. Dude, that is the greatest ever. If, if you go train where I train, you could never have the skills I have because I got them from God. Hey, uh, without interjecting my opinion, we are talking about this in a phone call. Uh, what do you buy first as a newbie, a motor or a wing? A wing. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. You can't fly a motor. You can't practice with a motor. You're going to have a hard time getting off the ground if you don't know how to do it. Mm, that's what she said. But I'm fine. What? <laughs> what? What happened? Just, just keep beating on it. It'll fit. <laughs> Did you wow. hear what Kevin said? What? Who, who shames? What? What? Wait, wait, what? Shame out. There he goes. 
or with Shane, what other questions you got? Yeah, Shane. Did you hear what oh. I just brought up, buddy? The whether you should buy a wing first or a paramotor? Yeah, I just uh, I bought my wing and had it for a year before I could afford my paramotor, and it, it just worked out really well. I was yeah. I didn't want to kite for that long, but by the time I got my motor, it was like yeah, okay, yeah. this is this is so going to be curious, easier. Tommy. Did you buy a free flight wing because you didn't know better, or did you buy a free flight wing because you were going to free fly and then decided to motor? Um, in all honesty and being completely humble about it, uh, had two flights and my first two flights of the day were super smooth, laminar, uh, full cloud cover, excellent ridge soaring. My third flight of the day, the clouds were breaking up. It was about 2.30 and I got scared to death. Uh, didn't have a bump tolerance, uh, just extremely thermic, thermic LZ. And I realized, uh, if I need to need to get hours. The way to do it's not to drive three and a half hours every weekend and, and maybe get a chance. The way to do it's to get a motor. I didn't realize how much I'd love motor flight. I didn't realize how much I'd love XC. So I still want to do plenty of mountain flights. Still got plenty of plans to do mountain flight. I'm just, uh, I'm going to have to buy another wing. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe that if you were, and when I say you, I mean the proverbial need not you individually Tony, but I think if any and every paramotor pilot went to the full PU course then did the paramotor training they would be exponentially better of a pilot as a student coming out of training than they would if they only did motor flying for the exact reason you talked about when you do the P2 course part of your P2 is having to get signed off for thermal flying that forces you and teaches you to learn and understand that bump tolerance and you everything. And, and this is one of those things, Shane, you'll learn as you go through training, everything's about feel. You feel the pressure in the wing. You feel everything. You can do all the kiting blindfolded if you know what you're feeling for. And when you do the free flying, you learn how to feel a lot more feedback in the wing and then when you transition to a motor, that feedback, you kind of have a better understanding of what's going on and then how to manipulate your hands to keep the pendulum right where you want it to be. Especially if you got a buzz. You know, my wing, the one thing I don't like about it is how slow it is. The thing I love about it is you have to actively pilot that wing. It's not as loaded on the nose. It, it's even – it just – you feel every bump, you feel every little thing on it. So, you know, whenever I do get a reflex wing, I'll be flying that. I'm sure it'll feel smoother, but I'll know exactly how to react to it. I just think at the end of the day, there's no substitute for experience. So the more you do anything, whether it's kiting, flying, takeoffs or landings and that always brings up the argument of which one's more important hours flying or takeoffs and landings because if you did 10 10 minute flights in a day or if you did one hour and a half flight you essentially did basically the same amount of flying the biggest difference is 10 takeoffs and landings is 10 takeoffs and landings worth of skill one takeoff and one landing with an hour of flying 
is skills in actual flying. And the flying is the easy part. The transitions, takeoff and landing, are the, quote, hard part. So if you get 10 takeoffs and landings in a day, you're going to be building proficiency 10 times faster than someone who only does one flight that's a longer flight in a day. Right. So my next question is, what are some wings that you absolutely want to stay away from paramotoring? Like something you just don't want at all. There really isn't anything new that fits into that category. Pretty much everything that's 2013, 2015 or newer is essentially is going to be good gear to, to fly as long as it's in good condition. The, the sport has taken leaps and bounds in the last five years in technology. The biggest thing, and this is my opinion, is the weight of the wing, the actual weight of the fabric. So Sean and I have the exact same wing. The only difference is Sean's wing is a roadster, which is the full weight wing. I right. have the spider, which is the, no, a there's a, no, the difference is mine has a hole in it and yours doesn't. Well, I patched my hole. <laughs> I was going to say, the wings you want to stay away from are the ones that PPG Grandpa is flying because they... They're holy. They're holy. They're exhausted. <laughs> They're exhausted. <laughs> They're tired. No, I mean, the biggest thing, though, as a beginner, is you want to stay away from anything that's going to be high performance. So... You're going to watch videos and you're going to see Tucker's flying a 16 meter free ride. You're going to see Mitch G is cruising around on a 16 or 17 meter wing. You're going to see Anthony Vela on a 16 meter wing. And they don't give you the personification of how much time, effort, and skills it took to get to that point. You just see them flying around on it and they make it look easy. And I can tell you because this wing right here over my shoulder is an 18 meter wing. Even at 18 meters, it's still very tricky and very challenging. <clears throat> so you really want something that fits that beginner category, not because it's slow or not because it doesn't do things that a, a more performance wing won't do. You can watch a video and Tucker got does barrel rolls on a B-wing. It's totally doable. It's just about having that active safety that's built in. So when you're kiting, the wing basically will fly itself. You don't have to over control it. When it comes to collapses, taking off landing, the wing flies at a slower speed, which means you can get off the ground a little easier. And then when you come back to the ground, you're not going quite as fast. As you progress up into the more advanced wings, you have to start using a lot more energy management. And then that can be very overwhelming if you're not ready for it. So one of my biggest things when I first started, you know, looking into everything, um, what are your, what's y'all's opinion on as a newbie, you know, not looking for instruction starting off, but you get on and you're trying to find just a kiting wing, you know, everybody, nobody wants to help you when you first start off. So what do y'all think about newbies that are looking for getting into the sport and, they're trying to find a wing and they have they know nothing about wings and stuff like that. Do y'all suggest maybe what do y'all suggest doing in that scenario? Um, trust your instructor. 
Amen to that. I would also, uh, you know, I think Sean handed up going with the Roadster, uh, and he was happy he didn't go with the Mojo. I think that your instructor is going to look at how much finesse you have kiting and how much finesse you have at a training hill and say, this guy really needs something that's going to be easy to launch or, or an A-wing. Um, if you've got that finesse and you've got the ability, like Sean, Sean did, uh, you know, a B-wing, a, a roadster, something like that, I, I, I'm, I'm at that point now to where with my, my wing, I'm, I'm wanting to jump to a, to a smaller meter wing, something a little faster, but at the same time, I know I don't have the skill for it yet. I, Kevin, what's your opinion on that, man? I, I really, I'm on a 26 meter buzz. Would it be ridiculous me for me to go to a 22 meter roadster, or do I need to go to a 24? Do you jump down two meters at a time? Do you go the same thing because it's a buzz compared to a roadster? Do I need to get a 26 roadster? Or I think if you have standard proficiency, you can go down to about a 20 meter. I wouldn't go below 20 for a little while. So a 20 to 22 is going to give you a real spunky range. 24 is not going to be that big of a change, but 20 to 22 is going to give you a lot more sporty of a wing while still maintaining the B category. <clears throat> Once you do about 50 or close to a hundred hours, then you can start going down to like 18, 17, 16 meter wings. Like I said, it's not the flying part. They don't really fly that much different. It's the takeoffs and landings. They, the wing shoots up faster. It uses less brake pressure to stall. So when the wing comes up and you're checking the surge, what you would normally do with four or five inches of brake, you're doing with two and a half or three centimeters. And so that when you talk about finesse, it's really, really easy to just shoot the wing up over your head. It's difficult to be able to kite it because what we're used to is making more gross movements. And when you get into the smaller category of wings, it's a lot more finesse. Gotcha. Great, great answer. I appreciate that. Cause I, I don't know if I'm being crazy by saying 22 meters, kind of what my heart was set on. Um, and I just well, didn't know if that weigh? was, uh, I'm 165. When I got the buzz, I was 200 pounds. So, so I'm a little light on it. At 165, you could go to a 22-meter or 20-meter and be just fine. Awesome. awesome. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm 190 pounds. I fly an 18-meter, and it's all good. What the? Hey, be paper. I would hold that thing down to the ground. I'm not moving. Oh, snap. Look at this. Please hey. don't stand up. Yeah. <laughs> one thing hey. one thing I will say though is when you start dropping down to smaller size wings, it does make your takeoff technique and your landing technique show every characteristic that you do wrong. And and um real quick before we start talking about Brian Wallerin in, in, in this hot tub, um I I I fly a twenty eight meter roaster, which is a B. When I was doing the SIV, I went to an a wing which was a 23 meter and it was spicier than I, than than i ever thought it would be so as far as like a, a 27 what's that i fly a 27 now oh yeah so they had you fly a 23 <clears throat> what happened to your audio 
He's know. frozen. I didn't go nowhere. Oh, is he frozen? Okay. He's frozen. No. No. You're frozen. Yes. Frozen. <laughs> hey, it's a... Uh, it's in the hot tub where it's hot. You won't be frozen hey. anymore. <laughs> Brian, I can tell you this. I've got a 24-meter spider, and then I've got this 18-meter Apco wing. And my spider feels nice and nimble and fast until I fly the 18 meter and then my spider goes back to immediately feeling like a mojo if that gives you any kind of comparison gotcha yeah I mean uh, I just I've seen people downsize too quickly with with skydiving wings and I've seen them hit the sides of hangers you know underestimating you you know you get a wing that small you do not want to make a turn low pretty much when you're on final you're on final so well, you got to remember: the smaller you make, make the wing, mistake. the more ground hungry they become. Yeah. Yeah. Ground hungry. Ground That's hungry. That's the new phrase. I have not heard that. Yep. When you I start flying a small wing, they become ground hungry. When you make turns, it uses more power to stay aloft. When you go into wingovers or spirals, you start approaching the ground way faster than you do on a larger wing. Like this. Yeah, I got this a lot to learn, man. This eighteen meter. I can go up to 1,500 feet, and I can do three, four wing overs, and then I'm leveling out back on power. If I do it on my spider, I can do six or eight or maybe even ten wing overs before I have to get back on power. Well, on my buzz, it's, it's you know, I can do about 40 or 50 wing overs from 2,000 feet. It's just, it's, it's fun, and I'm learning a lot, but well, it's, it's not going to be fun That's for a- long. That's the thing is that you have a paragliding wing. A paragliding wing is designed for efficiency. It's not designed for, for the, the reflex of a motor. So the reason why you fly so slow is because the glider is trimmed to fly at trim speed. It's not trimmed to be driven. That's why mm-hmm. when, you, when you fly a paraglider, even when you use speed bar, it's still not that fast because your trim is out of whack. With a pair of motor wing, the reflex allows you to get the angle of attack correct when you're under power, which is why when you watch the reflex wing, when you go to an idle and you're just on glide, the thing is literally like a 20-degree down pitch, but it doesn't take much more than just above idle to then go to level flight. You fly around at 20% throttle all day. As long as you don't climb, it doesn't take nothing. So it's, it's just about the way that the wing is trimmed so that way when you pendulum the motor, you don't change your angle of attack. So Not to mention my turns are extremely, extremely flat. Like, it's hard to get that thing crazy. I can wing over and stuff, but, yeah. Waste yeah, I mean, You, you got to drive with a paragliding wing and a motor. You have to drive your turns with a lot of weight shift. A lot, a lot, a lot. Like hang your body weight on the J bar a lot of weight to shift. Mm-hmm. So, so Brian, where are you at, Brian? Uh, I'm in the backyard, man. Hey, if you stand up right now, pot. hold on. If if you hey, stand you up right okay? now, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of this. Uh oh. <laughs> That's if you stand up. We're gonna see a lot of bush. Wow. Oh no, nah, man. 
Is that a dare or what? Because I didn't quite no. get it. No. Is that a dare? Never mind. <laughs> no. I got, I got on my big boy pants, man. It's all good. You know the worst part about that, though, is it's a, it was hot, a bad it's joke. A cold tub. So when he stands up, he has no excuses. He can't even claim the water was cold. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not cold, I promise you. 104 degrees. Ugh. I like going to the hot springs. We got hot springs here in Oregon, and the upper pools are like 105, 107. It's so relaxing to sit in natural hot spring pools. So how important is it to, like, find a, a group of guys that fly in your area and, you know, get accustomed with what they use, you know, how how their flights are? You know, would you suggest getting some unheard of paramotor when everybody else flies uh, like a scout or a – fly product or the black hawk or the kangoo. I mean, is it better to get with the group, local group of pilots and find what they fly and lean more towards what they're flying just because you can get more information off them? Or is it better to go and go out on your own and pick up your own paramotor, I guess? It's always good to talk with people that are in the sport, especially the people that live around you. Um, you got a huge group of people around you, the Little Rock Flyers, and eventually your instructor will put you in that, uh, that group. Uh, we have, have a hundred and – Tommy, how many people do we have in there? About like 120-ish people? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. And, and, you know, what you're saying is what got me. I mean, I remember the day where something popped in my head. We went out to the sod farm just for kiting. It was before anybody had a motor. Uh, one of the guys' name was Alex. He was running the tow machine out there. Uh, he was kiting in winds that I was just like, you're ridiculous. And he said, just watch me do it. Just keep flying your wing. You can't get drug off. This is a, you know, field goes forever. He got drug on his back, and he's laying on his back, kiting the wing, and it just clicked in my head. Like, as long as you're controlled, just being around people like that, I need a rebuild on my motor. Luckily, I've got a PPG grandpa that flies 5,000 hours a day, and he's already rebuilt his 100 times. He, if I need help, I can go over, and he's done it. So, yeah, what you're saying, it really helps to, to have people that – for me, I think that Viterazzi is almost like the Honda Civic. Every bolt, every everything that you need for it, it's, it's very common. It's a NATO round. It's, you know, it's, it's something that you're going to find anywhere. The guys in the group have taught me – a lot, a whole lot. Just watching them, how they use different techniques, um, pushing you, knowing that they know your limits better than you do. Some of the times I've, I've talked to, talked to Sean and man, I don't know about this. You did this the other day. This is a shorter flight than we did the other day. Tommy, don't stop being a wuss. Get your wing on. Let's go. It's beautiful out. And it's nice to and have. Millimeter. It's nice to have mentors. It really is. The only thing I would caution new pilots is there's a lot of people out there that are not 
experience, especially as everybody agrees, I kind of take that as fact. So, uh, you know, just, just kind of be weary of new people that are out there. I, I, everybody has the best, I think, motives to try to help people. But, uh, you know, some people are better at it than others. So I just always leave it at this. I think this is the simplest way to put it for anybody. It's never something that's a requirement to have a group around you. You should never have to rely or require a group. But on the flip side, it's always better with friends. And the fellowship in this sport, in my opinion, is sometimes better than the actual flying is. Yep. I, I totally agree. Guys, we are rolling up at 10 o'clock. And if you guys do not know, uh, there is a bonus right after this that's premiering here in seven more minutes, six more minutes on this channel uh, that's oh. going to pop up. Hopefully Shane and his wife Dawn will be able to watch it and be in the chat and talk to people. Um, it is uh, a, a, her view of what's going on with Shane in the house and uh, and and his um and his obsession with uh paramotor so you guys got to watch that they'll be here uh live live memorex um premiering here in just a moment I think my internet is going crazy awesome. This has been a great, my, my you've been a great interview though. Pretty good out here. Oh, oh yeah. that's not right. Yeah. Okay, no, I think I'm back. Yeah. Rocking it. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my garden doing everything in the dark because I didn't get to get out there earlier. So. <laughs> Well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and cut on out of here. It's dinner time for me, so I got to eat something. Yes, thank you very much, y'all, for, for joining us. Totally appreciate it. Shane, if you ever have any questions, feel free to private message me or direct message me. I'm always here for you for anything I can help you with, buddy. All right, thank you. It's nice there's to meet plenty you. Opportunities, there's plenty of opportunities around here, too. So if you ever want to head up a training hill, if you ever want to go out and kite, let us know, man. We're, we're always interested to go play. We'll, we'll send you everybody's um, phone number that's on our on our panel right here. For or you sure, can ask them on, on the – any on the... of you are ever passing through Alabama, make sure you look me up. Southeast corner of Alabama. What the hell is that? I don't know. That was a robot? What? I think he made a robot, baby. Who, who did that? I think what happens after. No. Is that Shane? I think so. Oh, it is. He's stuck. I think a robot ate Shane. <laughs> he said, if there's anything that you need. <laughs> Don't ask him because you won't be able to understand him. All right. So we'll, we'll... thunderbolts and lightning off in the distance, man. We need some rain bad. No. That's why I'm out in the garden. It's too hot. I had hey. to walk everything. Hey, y'all hey, are in Tornado Alley. I don't know, in case you didn't know. 
<laughs> Shane and Don, don't forget, in four more minutes, your, uh, your podcast is going to premiere on this channel. Make sure you watch it and you're in the chat so you can answer questions because it's going to, you're going to have to answer a lot of Shane's questions. I think that's what it's going to be. Okay. <laughs> so y'all have a great evening. Y'all, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll be back here next week at uh, clearproptv.com. And we are going to be, uh, you can listen to us on, yeah. on uh, paratalk.org. Uh, y'all have a great evening. Shane and John, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Hey, Thanks guys, I got a bail. Peace out. <laughs> He's always got a bail. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Night. Hey, y'all. Bye. Nice. nice to meet everybody. Nice Bye, to meet you too, man. Bye. Don't drown. Kidding. Kidding. Put a pro leg. Just kidding. That's so funny. Hey, is your uh, after show is it pre-recorded? I don't know if we can still talk or what. I don't know. Um, I was it pre-recorded or is it going to be live? Live. Well, no, it's pre-recorded. Uh, I will. Behind go, us I will stop the live stream right now. You guys can stay on. Awesome. Okay. Live stream is off. <laughs>